Hey, this is Marv Wolfman, co-creator of the Teen Titans, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. You're two in a row. Okay. Yep. I'll take it. I don't know how you're doing it. Uh, yeah, eat my spinach. I think you're cheating. How can I cheat? Because you have a digital file somewhere, and you're pr- <laughs> Dude, you're, you're like Kevin. I, I sound like ass. Yes, you're like, like Kevin. Yes. Merry Christmas, <laughs> you filthy animal. Did you get into this spirit? <laughs> no, it's not happening. That'll be the that'll be the first and last time this is going to mention anything about Christmas. Well, I, actually, not a little peek behind the curtain. The the squigs are upstairs putting the Christmas tree up. Good. Okay, but I mean, if you hear clomping and fighting and dogs barking during the uh, the broadcast here, you'll know why. Because my kids can't wait a, a damn minute to put the, the Christmas tree up. Well, okay. What well, I mean, hey, let, <laughs> let them live, right? Oh man, listen, it's we have a lot to be thankful for. We do. Then we Christ- might mention one or two of those things tonight. Yes, Christmas is not one of them. Hey, everybody. It, <laughs> i got to get it in. i got to be me. It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 640. Damn. Yeah, and I am Vince B. You are Vince B, and I am damn glad to be here, and I am also David A. Price. And I am Jason Wood. <laughs> Unless you're on a Peloton. Sipping, <laughs> sipping the White Claw. You're not Jason Wood, but we know who you are, and everybody else will now know because you are a very, very close friend uh, to the the podcast. I don't even want to say the podcast because that's BS. A very close friend of ours. We have conned with him. We've eaten with him. We've indulged in alcoholic beverages with him but most importantly we have spoken comics with him at length and he is a wealth of knowledge he's also pretty damn witty this is true yes he makes with the the one-liners like they come out of nowhere and i don't want to i don't want to you know set him up for failure but he is awesome no no, no pressure no pressure at all (laughs) and his name is hassan thalji Hey guys, thanks for having me on the show, man. Not oh, a problem. For being here. Yes, he's also a member of the uh, Slack group. Slack he absolutely group. is. He adds the smart um, to the group, even when Jason's there. So that's saying something. That's true. It's very true. Um, but yeah, yeah, and and he is of course a uh, a member of the uh, Taylor Network of podcasts. This is true. That's I true. forgot about that. Yeah. Well, I don't listen to podcasts, so. I I, I knew it, but I just knew them. That's right. Yes. Yeah, and hey, you know what? This is the very last time you're going to hear these specials from our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Get your books, get them fast, get them delivered straight to your door for a minimal effort. From Antarctic Press, it's Planet Comics number one. I said it before. Mike Vosberg. When are you going to see new Mike Vosberg art? Chances are you're not, unless you buy this Planet Comics, number one. It's the 80th anniversary, so they're cooking up a nice little special. I believe it's three issues, give or take. Uh, cover price is three ninety nine, but you, 
can have it for $1.99. From Image, we have Protector number one, Simon Roy, Daniel Benson, Artram Trakhanov. There's a lot of good names attached to this. James Stokoe on the cover art. It's a new series. I don't know how long it's going to last, but it is an ongoing. And you can add it to your long box for $1.99. That's 50% off the $3.99 cover price. And last but not least, from Action Lab Danger Zone. Action Lab's getting a lot of play on EOC lately, huh? Yeah, Yeah, they are. Yeah. This is called Twin Worlds Number 1. It is written by Rami Al-Ashkar with art by Jethro Morales. It piqued my interest. And I will say, the Action Lab stuff, Action Lab proper, doesn't always pique my interest. That's why the Tony Fleece book and now this from Action Lab's Danger Zone. Wow. So I had to take note. It's like, what is this? I looked at the art. It's like, okay, I think I got to give this a try. Now, you should give this a try, too, because the cover price is the standard, three ninety nine. But not for you. No way, Jose. You get it for a dollar ninety nine. Fifty percent off across the board. DCBService.com. Amazing service. I use them all the time. I've been using them since I wanna say two thousand and three. I'm uh, yeah, Ooh. I wanna say two thousand three. Dab, when did we start? Um I started I started after listening to to CGS. <laughs> um, Me too. And that that was obviously, yeah. So that might have been around the same time because it was because because we didn't start bullpen bulletins till um, till oh six, right? And so we've we're listening to CGS since. The, well, I started listening in in the early to mid thirties. Uh, I, I came on after you, but um, yeah, it would have to be a couple of years before then. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm thinking at least since. I mean, I could look up my order history, but yeah, that's what I'm going to do. It's the right, early uh, you know, great minds think alike. All right, fine. I'm doing my it. very first order was January fifth, two thousand sixth. Wow. wow. Let me see what. Uh, let me see when mine was. I thought it's around. I thought it was before then. I started doing it because I had you know my kids were I had two kids and it's just getting so complicated to um go to the comic shop every week and you know it's cheap it's convenient uh just get sh- you know weekly shipping i do because uh, i'm addicted to comics and yeah, comes straight to my door yep uh my very first dcbs order was august 29th 2005 oh you scooped me i lied my first order was uh may 22nd 2006 oh wow yeah. Well, but re- I wasn't. I really wasn't monthly until un, until the fall of '06. It was just a couple of orders before then. But after that, in two, in, in 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 September of 2006, that that's when I became monthly. Right. Well, the reason why I switched from the the LCS was because my tastes tend to extend into the smaller press uh, arena. And Mm -hmm. the local guy was great for the Marvel and the DC and the Dark Horse and the Image. But if you went went into the trenches, chances were pretty good you you weren't going to get what you ordered because the money was allocated for other things. Like we didn't pay up front. You just told them what you wanted and then when they came in, you paid for them. So I can understand 
that, you know, if he has to invest in 300 copies of a, an X-Men book, that he's not going to have a whole lot of budget left over for the thing that I want. So no hard feelings. I just told him, you know, we, we made an agreement and uh, a gentleman's agreement. Like I'd stop in every once in a while, pick up stuff, no hard feelings. But DCB service, I have, mm, I can't think of an instance where I've missed or I wasn't given something I, I, I ordered. Maybe on, on an extreme chance there was one thing that sold out from the, the distributor or something. Like there was a huge amount of orders and I didn't get that one book. But for the most, I can't even remember. For the most part, I, I can't recall not getting something that I, I ordered. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I noticed that, um, I mean, I, I'll, I'll go back and, and, that, and this is a problem because I rarely compare what I ordered with the the packing list when I received the stuff, I just, I received the stuff and I put it off to the side so I can catalog it later. But, um, I, when I was putting things in order, I noticed I was missing issue. I think the fifth issue of now, and I wrote to them and, and Carrie took care of it and everything's great. And I have it and then the collections intact, but, um, and then I noticed mistakes that I've made, like with an issue, a random issue of, of the yeah. Terrifics or something Same. like that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah, if they have it, then great. But um, I hate that when that happens. Yes, I do too. Well, here's the deal. Uh, wait, I didn't order that? Like, right? Like, I'm like, yeah. right. It's like, and you read months issue, later. And, like, and it was funny. One time I'm reading it, I'm like, man, I don't remember. I don't remember if this actually happened at the end of the last issue. And I realized that I never bought the issue. And I jump ahead. I was like, oh, man. Yeah. It just ruined the whole story. Yep, yep. Well, the re- uh, the reason why I got so frustrated with the local guy was I was going through a box, and I'd be going through a certain series, and I'm going one, two, four. Like, what? And I'll get to another series, and it'll be one, three, four. Five. Like, what the hell's going on here? And uh, instances similar to Hassan's where I'd be reading something. It's like, I have no recollection of this ever happening. So mm-hmm. let me go get the issue before. And I didn't have it. You know? So, I mean, I love the local guy. I think he's great. I still spend money there, but I, I need the, uh, the assurance that if I plunk down, if I click on that little thing, then I'm going to get it. And the way to, to not miss issues is the pull list function. Because when I order a first issue, I immediately add it to the pull list. I don't wait until I get it to see if I like it. If I'm going to invest in a series from the first issue, it goes right on the pull list. That way, I don't have to worry about it. So when you so, so then when you go to place your order, then then you go to the pull list section on yeah. your account and yeah. just click begin order. Yeah, and it populates. Okay. I've never used it. Okay. Oh, right. it's That's, the best. Yeah. And if there's multiple covers, it'll pick one for you and then it'll expend the entire pull list and then below that it'll list all the multiple covers so you can delete it from the top and add an alternate cover underneath it it's still like if you order hack slash meets the crow right mm-hmm. and it and it obviously it's a dynamite or it's a idw book so there's going to be multiple covers it'll put the, the main cover or up top and then underneath, it'll say, oh, there, there are other covers available for this, so you could just pick and choose. Yeah, it's great. I, I, don't, I would not be able to do my order without the pull list function. I can't remember what I order on a regular basis. Are you kidding me? Well, I have, to, I have two tabs open when I, when I go to DCBS to place my order. And I'll, I have 
the, the, the current month, and then I go to the other tab in in Opera, and and I'll see. Okay, I'll compare what I actually. I'll, I'll have two tabs open because I'll have the the previous order, and then the month before that because there's some things like Superman smashes the clan or the right. deaths of Vic stage you where don't, where, where bi monthly. Do don't do that. Just put it on the pull list, and you're done. Okay. Yeah, but I'm glad right. you use an Opera because this is a friggin' best. It's the best. Well, on the project. MacBook, yes, I have to. Yeah. On 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 the Windows machine, I, I still use Chrome. But the uh oh, no, I was gonna say I'm this old school. I go through the previews and then I put tabs on what I want to order. I yeah. just go, yeah. You know, I... It's fun though. You get a big well, sharpie. I mean, Jason and... uses the spreadsheet. Oh, stop! I know, I know. <laughs> but I don't mean to curse at you. I mean I'll, but I also have. Um, you know, I have the stuff for DCBS, and I do that through the website, and then I also have Acrobat open because I have to. I fill out the short order form that I can send to um, to the local guy. So, um, and and even there, you know, if there's something that I noticed I missed, then I I can usually go to him in, instead of um, stopping dcbs from doing whatever they're doing so they can go look for some random back issue i'll i'll, I'll see if he, actually they did that recently with um i think it was it wasn't a superman it was it, it was a it was oh i think it was either i think it was an issue of dial h and and they um they they were shorted and then diamond didn't come through with with the full amount that they had ordered so they were basically letting Customers know if um, if you still want it, you know we'll keep we'll keep trying and and you know when we get this next batch in, we'll mark them for for the people who said yes. Um, if you don't, let us know. And and so I um, I sent an email to the local guy, and then that that Wednesday, I actually no, it wasn't a Wednesday because my dog dragged me over there. So we I, I went and picked it. I, I found it in the back issue bin. And and put it on my my pile so that I'd pick it up that week when I picked up my books. But and then I wrote to DCBS and I says, you know, I'm I'm good. You you can you know save save the issue for someone else who's who's missing it. I'm I don't need to take a spot from someone. So I just love the communication that that we have with DCBS. Yep. Mm-hmm. Longest sponsor intro <laughs> ever, but that's okay because they're worth it. And uh, so it's the drink roll call, right? Yes. I got to pour not one but two out this week. Yeah. Okay. Two. Yeah. Two men who are instrumental in fostering my love of comics. And I'm talking about Gon Wilson mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Howard Cruz. Mm -hmm. Yep. We lost them both this week. Uh, the the Gon Wilson one is pretty obvious with me. I mean, I love all the icky uh, horror stuff and gotten was great with that but howard cruz you may think hmm how does that factor well it's pretty easy howard cruz was in comics book number one it's true with barefoots and then he jumped over to starlog magazines and he was in fangoria briefly he did this count fangor strip for Fangoria, and he did the uh, Starlog communication handbook, the cover, and some spot illustrations for it. So Howard Cruz has been on my radar for a long, long time. And Stuck Rubber, Rubber Baby's great. So, I mean, all his stuff is great. But, yeah, it just seems like we're, we're losing guys and gals left and right lately. 
Yeah, I know. I feel, it's, I hate to say it, it's partly our age, I feel. You know, we're getting to that point in our age. I mean, I'm almost 50. I think you're over 50, right, Vince? And I think Dap is a little 47. younger than me. Yeah, so are you younger than me? So I hate to say it, man. It's like, as we get older, I feel like that's happening more and more often. Yep. Well, we are of the same, uh, roughly, of, of the same age group. And we got into comics roughly the same time. So all those people who were older than us when we got in are now starting to 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 shuffle off the mortal coil. And it's hard watching these guys go it away. Is, but but there is some solace in the fact that um when you when you read things and you know, you you, you hope that their final days were happy and uh relatively so and that they were around loved ones when they when they passed and but we have all this work that's that's remains like if you want to relive gone wilson there's a bajillion publications that that lampoon playboy uh you know just go down the laundry list and chances are really good that gone wilson appeared in some uh, or most of those publications over time and howard cruz those, that work is still there so we can still commune with these people, even though they're no longer alive. Their memory remains. So That's thank, true. Thank you, Marianne yeah. Faithful. Um, and but I am drinking um, water because tomorrow's Thanksgiving, and there will be there will be much um, consumption of whatever. My brother-in-law always brings a ton of of fancy schmancy IPA. Um, Beer even even though we have a guest, yeah, I'm drinking black cherry water, just like black cherry water. That's, yeah, that's special. <laughs> not not really, but I just wanted to keep it relatively uh, low key because I will be consuming tomorrow. So, well, it is the season, my yeah, friend. So. I guess <sighs> if you had a Palatine, let's worry about it. It's, but I I would uh, like to. Um, I'm I'm going to let our guest go next. So I'm gonna I'm starting with uh, starting with some risky. He's making up for your slack. Yeah, I'm starting with some risky. I guess a, a, boss, uh, a bottle of whistle pig straight rye whiskey. Uh, actually, never tried it before. It's pretty good. I'm gonna start with that, um, but obviously, I don't want to drink too much of it. Um, I'd like to be coherent by the end of the episode. So I'm gonna drink uh, after I'm done with my glass. I'm gonna drink uh, this local. IP uh, local brewery called Hardywood, and it's an IPA called None of This Makes Sense. And I'm gonna, it's, although it's 7.5% alcohol, so I'm not sure if that's a good thing as well. But wow, yeah, <laughs> but that's what I'm gonna do uh, after I finish this uh, glass of a nice whiskey that I'm drinking neat. neat. I do have some water on the side, by the way, to keep me hydrated. Nice. I do, yes, I have, I have a um. I have a bottle of water myself. I am. Um, I should have um, gone for the habiki I have downstairs because Vince loves that, and and he remembers when when Hassan shared that with us um, a couple of New York Comic Cons ago. But I decided to go with a. Um, I haven't had one in a long time, and so this is six ounces. Of whiskey, it's 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 the whiskey three way where you take equal parts of bourbon, rye, and scotch. 
And so the bourbon is Buffalo Trace. Awesome. The scotch is Johnny Walker Red. Okay, very. I, I that's good. That's good. And the rye is shout out to Jimmy Dick for suggesting it, and and luckily our local liquor spot has it. It is uh, Knob Creek Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. Um, so once I finish this. I will probably the 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 sphere will have melted by then. I will probably try some of the rye neat um to get a taste for just the rye on its own. But this is um I don't have a lot of scotch. I'm not a big scotch drinker, so I don't have uh aside from the the Johnny Walker red, I have the bottle that um that a listener sent to to Jason uh a year or so ago and and that's that's a peated single malt scotch which is extremely peaty so i didn't want to um have that that chloroseptic-y taste mixing in with the buffalo trace and, and the knob creek so i figured the johnny walker red would be the safest way to do it and it is extremely good this is an extremely easy um drink to 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 consume so um I plan on taking it slow because I want to remain coherent for as long as possible. But um, I probably could have gotten away with an ounce each. I didn't realize that the glass that I'm drinking out of um, holds six ounces, but doesn't give much room for much else. So um, that's where I'm at right now. So, yeah. And then, yeah, like I said, I have a bottle of water to go along with this. So that's 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 the drink for this evening. It was I, I had to do the scotch for for Hassan, and I had to um, I wanted to to give a shout out to to Jimmy for the rye, um, and and there'll be a couple of shout outs uh, throughout the evening, um, especially one for uh, for Brian Clark because I just want to say hey, hey, hey. hey, what's up? I have a theme. What you got? It, okay. I, it was unintentional, but uh, it just so happens that the two series that I read for this week both involve paranormal private detectives. Okay. Yeah. Tell us. It's a weird – well, I'm just going to do one, and then I'll hand it over. Um, the first series, I've been tempting to to, to talk about this. For a while, and for some reason, it always got cut on my list. I, I I would expend my time on other things, more involved things, and this one, you know, I kept cutting and pasting the text over notes, and and never got to it. So this week, I said, "Damn it, I'm talking about Monster World, the Golden Age, numbers one to three. Pay attention to the title, the Golden Age. Okay, it was written by Philip Kim." Illustrated by Peter Kowalski. Say no more, right? Um, the script is by Holly Interlandi and Philip Kim. Color art is by Dennis Calero. And it's published by American Gothic Press. Peter Kowalski does a lot of books. Wellington, this, simultaneously. Like, it seems like he did um, the, uh, the thing for Titan Comics. I forget what it was. Oh, um, Bloodborne. He just works, seems, seemingly he works all the time. So when this series opens, 
It's New York City, 1934. And we got a, a private eye named Hank Barrymore. And, and Hank is looking, searching for a witch named Shirley. And he, he walks into this building. He trudges up the steps. And <laughs> in the middle of the room is a demon trapped in the, uh, the protective circle. And the demon's name is Nibis. Nibis is an archivist, a librarian of sorts. There ain't been a, a grimoire written that Nibis does not know the, the specifics of. So um, Barrymore wants to know about these dimensional gates because that's a, a surefire way that he can get a bead on this witch named Shirley. And before Nibis tells him about the dimensional gates, he, he relates a story, a very, very old story, where uh, it starts with God, <laughs> as does many things. Uh, God made the angels to watch over man. And some of the angels got pissed because their only function was to shepherd these naked little monkeys. And... Uh, so the angels that would not serve man were exiled, shunted to the side, and they were called watchers. They were they were allowed not to interfere. Keep your hands off. Look the other way. Don't do anything with these these precious little creatures because God likes them, and you know you're just going to muck things up. So hands off. Um, the leader of the watchers. His name was Samjaza. He concocted a plan. Mm -hmm. He and 200 of his watchers corrupted the sons of Adam. He taught men war. He taught women dark magic. Uh, learned them in the ways of astrology. Uh, in short, he revealed the secrets of heaven to mankind. And the sons of Adam turned their back on God. A lot of them. Um, the Watchers made it with the daughters of Adam, and they produced the Nephilim, these giant insatiable creatures that are trudging across the land, consuming buildings, eating people, just uh, um, a bottomless pit. They were just so hungry for, for everything. And um, when they ran out of people to eat, they started consuming themselves. And... Um, God looked down and he, he wasn't happy. So the watchers were cast into the underworld. They were the fallen angels. Uh, the children of the watchers, the Nephilim, were destroyed. But the faithful were saved. And God called them the Enochians. And he opened a heavenly gateway for their escape. And Nibis says, you want to find this Shirley, you got to find the gateways. And to find the gateways, you better locate an Enochian. So, Barrymore does his uh, due diligence. He does some research. And he ends up in Boise City, Oklahoma. What? Yeah. He, he's out in farmland. Boise City, Oklahoma. And he runs into a, a, a strapping young lad. A bit of a Tom Strong appearance. He's 19 years old, but he's big and he's bulky. And he has dark hair and, and beautiful eyes and a, a lantern, you know, barrel-chested, lantern jaw. Uh, and his name is Cole. 
and he's the son of farmers. And the pa tells the story of one day, a terrible, terrible rift opened in the sky and the, the, the clouds are swirling, the wind's whipping up and you got this giant portal that opens in the sky and out comes a tiny little spaceship. One that carried a baby boy. One that would mature to do incredible things. He has massive strength. He's impervious to bullets. When he gets pissed, energy erupts from his eyes. Yes, it's another pastiche on the Superman origin. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. <laughs> I did not expect it. Because you're going into it thinking, okay, paranormal detective, there's demons, and, and we're, we're talking about Enochian magic and angels and, and, and God, and then it leads to a Superman pastiche. It's crazy. I, it's one, it, uh, it totally surprised me. I never saw it coming. And it, we're tough to surprise at this point, right? We, we have read a ton of, of comics. And, you know, usually you can see stuff coming from, you know, the, the periphery. No, no, it was, it was shocking. And I thought, okay, I'm locked in. And uh, I read four issues. There's a, a villain called Ryback, and he's got these two giant dogs with red eyes with him. I, I just think it's a, it's a fun, very um, – well, I, I couldn't pinpoint a lot of it. Uh, I couldn't anticipate what was coming. That, to me, says I'm in uncharted territory, so I'm very comfortable. You would think the opposite would be true, Right. And if you can't foresee what's coming, you, you know, you, 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 you huddle, you hunker in and you just, you know, um, you're, you're very wary. This, that makes me very comfortable when I can't pin down what's going to happen. I love it. I love being pushed into areas I didn't expect. That's why I love the Watchmen HBO show mm -hmm. because I never expected it to be what it is. And it's like, okay, you surprised me. If you can surprise this 54-year-old dude who's been, re you know, reading um, this this uh, flights of fancy for all these years, then that's doing something. You've accomplished something. So I just wanted to give a heads up on Monster World, the Golden Age from uh, American Gothic Press. At the very least, you get to see some gorgeous Peter Kowalski artwork. The, the guy is very, very, very good. And he's a machine. I would love to know the stuff he's drinking and or eating that enables him to produce this many pages uh, per month. But uh, give it a shot. You, it may surprise you like it surprised me. Plus, Sounds you get, great, actually. And I don't think I've ever read uh, a Superman pastiche that wasn't gr that was grounded in the the esoteric and or the occult. You know, mm. uh, usually it's a. Uh, I mean, look at all the DC Elseworlds that they've produced. <laughs> I haven't read them all, but I, I haven't read any. I don't think it's possible to read them all, but... Right. Yeah. There's a lot of them. There's a lot. Yeah. Well, the the Batman mythology lends itself more to the occult than Superman. So, yeah, we had Red Rain in Batman, and there was a, you know, there was a good amount of occult-themed Batman retellings. But I don't... I can't recall any... Um, in which the Superman mythology was explored. So yeah, you surprised me, and now you got me. Even if it That's wasn't great. illustrated by Peter Kowalski, I, I, I probably would keep reading. 
good stuff. Sounds good. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's intriguing. I would say, uh, you know, not to, uh, you know, I know I'm a guest, and I don't want to kiss you guys' ass on the on 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 the on live, or I guess it's not live on on the show, but I my wallet does not like you guys because every time we talk about something new, I'm like, oh, that sounds great. Let me order it, even though my Regina, it's called it's called Regina. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. Bonus points. <laughs> yes, it's called Regina. Even though my Regina pile is so large, and I don't know when I have time to read new stuff, but uh, I always appreciate you guys talking about specifically you know the non DC Marvel image books because let's be honest. Everyone knows what, especially DC Marvel, what DC Marvel books are out there. Um, they, you know, we like to talk about them. I love talking about them, but you know, it's the other books that we need help in identifying them right. because the previews catalog, even though Marvel DC is not in the previous catalog anymore, it's still pretty thick. Um, it's a lot of stuff out there. There's some good stuff out there. So, I, you know, I just want to, you know, as a as a listener and a and a friend, I appreciate you guys always giving us uh, uh, feedback on non-DC Marvel books. We really do appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, I was just thinking, uh, when you mentioned that the DC and the Marvel aren't included in the previous catalog, can you imagine how thick that would be if Marvel and DC were included in it? It'd be an omnibus on its own. (laughs) Yeah, last month, I was like, wow, this thing is like almost an inch and a half thick. It It was very pudgy last month. Yeah, 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 and wasn't that great? And you know, I uh, would mention this uh, before. I found the last month's previews to be, I, you know, outside the normal stuff I order. Like I'm, I'm big on the collections. Like I don't know about you guys, but I actually don't read solicitations on stuff I'm going to order already. I don't really care. I'm going to order it. Why same, would I want to get same. it spoiled? Yeah, right. I get more excited about reading the collections, you know, or or the. The, uh, the the main DC um, main previous book where you got the non DC Marvel stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But I love the old collection stuff, and uh, I get all excited when I see a collection. But then, you know, you get excited, especially with DC, and then two months later, you hear that they canceled the collection, and they're going to resolicit the collection, or hey, here's a great collection coming out a year from now. And you're like, yeah, it's, it's hard to get excited about it, but uh, but no, I I, uh, I can't imagine the catalog would be if DC Marvel was in that book. Yep. Remember when, and this is going to reveal uh, our vintage, remember when the game section was beefy and the trading card section was, yes. was like yes. a, at least 10, 15 pages. Now the trading card section I think is maybe a page if they even have a trading card section anymore. And the game section, you blink and you miss it. The majority of the back matter after the comics is uh, toys. Yeah, yeah, the collectibles and yeah. the, the statues, yeah. yeah. Yeah, toys on characters that I'm not sure who's buying, you know, like, you know. <laughs> really people need a Silent Bob statue, really? Right. Uh, okay. I, I look at some of the stuff from Japan, um, yeah. and I'm cool with the the uh, giant robots and the, yes. the mecha. I, I love giant robots. Yes. But when they put a buxom young lady in a maid's <laughs> costume and they have her, you know, standing up looking surprised and you, you look at the price and it's like PVC 
$298. Like, who's yeah. buying these things? Yeah. I, I don't know. Either. You know, they're cute, I guess. They're attractive if you're in that mindset. But is it really worth 300 bucks? I can get a Masterpiece Prime for around that. And that's made out of good old-fashioned metal. I, I, I don't know who's buying this stuff. No. I, I, I did not flip through the December previews yet. I picked it up with my books tonight, but I did notice on the spine, Archie is going to have a book out. Uh, Archie meets the B-52s. I saw that. That's a perfect pairing in my opinion. I think so too. I might have to get that. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Actually. The thing that made me smile was it's not, it's not relegated to the original B-52s or what came later. I mean, there was a core membership to the B-52s. I think the guitar player died, and then they picked somebody else up. And if you look at the cover, it's all of them over the entire span of the B-52s. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just like the classic lineup or the the, the hit-making lineup towards the end. It's the whole B-52s, which is really cool. That is really cool. Hey, it's comics. You can do anything you want in comics. Damn yeah, I'm right. Yeah, we should have saw this coming when they did uh, uh, Arch- Meets the, the Ramones. Ramones. Yeah. yeah. Which was neat, too. I want to see uh, Archie Meets Lemmy and Motorhead. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Yeah, that'll be on the uh, adult rack for sure. Jesus. Yeah. Well, they have an imprint for that. Or they did, anyway. I don't think we're ever going to get an Aguirre Sacasa follow-up to what he started with, Sabrina. I think that series is just plain dead. Which is sad because it was really good. They, I don't remember them ever finishing it or wrapping up the storyline. I think it just it's in the ether, which is weird considering the fact that it's a Netflix show now. Don't get it. Don't they have trouble? The Archie does have trouble with like I felt like uh, some of the um, the big books were severely delayed, massively delayed. Afterlife with Archie was smoking red hot for a while and uh, a lot of attention. I guess a lot of copies were moved for, for Archie standards, um, which is saying a lot because Archie isn't Archie the biggest or the largest uh, circulated comics because they're in gro- grocery stores and Walmarts. Yeah. And, it used to know. be, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about um, anymore, but yeah. But it, there was a fever pitch for Afterlife with Archie and then it just, okay, we're going to get a new issue. And it went three months, and then it went six months, and then we got another issue. And then, again, another long stretch. And just I think people just said, yeah, whatever. You know, neat concept, but I, you know, and uh, great artwork, but it's just they, they couldn't get the book up for whatever reason. And I'm thinking it's, it's probably down to uh, Aguirre Sacasa because he does TV work, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's from the same school of Kim Smith, and you know, Daredevil Target, and um, that never came out, right? That never finished, right? Daredevil Target. I think it did. Oh, that's right. Eventually, it did. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But it was a long time coming. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, not as long as Ultimate Wolverine versus Hulk, but yeah. But you got to understand, I mean, if these guys are cashing bigger checks from tv yeah yes you put the comics on the back burner it's not fair 
to the re- to the comics readership, but at least I can understand they're right. not off playing PlayStation. You right. know, they're they're making money. You mean like Battle Chasers, you mean? Yeah, is exactly what <laughs> I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a moot point now that you can get a Battle Chasers omnibus. You can get it all. Is it complete though? Because I don't think he finished the series, right? It's only an omnibus of wherever he published, bunch, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Right, but I mean, you can get everything that exists. That's which, the hottest thing. It uh, was Battle Chasers, Crimson, and uh, and Danger uh, um, Girl. It's ironic. Crimson probably was the least popular, but it's the only one that came out monthly. Was, yeah, yeah, it had the best story. It had the best story. It was well-written. The art was fantastic. You know, Danger Girl. By the way, I had a letter published in issue three of Danger Girl. Um, <laughs> believe it or not. I, I don't know. I don't yeah, believe I know. it. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that I should be proud of that. <laughs> I did like the series, but it like it just it took forever. Yes. And now he just does, he did, now he just does covers. Yep. He makes a living off it. Yep. That's good money when you can do one I image. Guess so yeah, yep. So what else do we have, gentlemen? Yes. What have you been reading, Austin? Well, you know what? I thought I go old school first, if you don't mind. Um, you know, I, people think I, I just read DC comics, and yeah, that is my. I read a lot of DC <laughs> comics. Uh, do I get almost every DC comic published? Um, yeah, probably. Um, but uh, thank you for DCBS Bundle. I think yes. if it wasn't for the bundle, I would probably be a little pickier. But what happens is you get 50% off. And I'm like, well, I don't need like these three books. But then I'm like, well, it's the same price if I get the bundle. So I'm like, okay, might as well. But I'm actually – I do love Marvel Comics. Uh, I'm a, When I was a kid, my favorite comic book was Amazing Spider-Man and then the X-Men. In fact – I think, you know, in Marvel Comics, Amazing Spider-Man is the only book I have never dropped since 2000. Like, I've been picking it up. Amazing Spider-Man. Not all the other Spider-Man tires. Right. Even, you know, even with Nick Spencer, it's not the best, I would say, right now. But I still pick it up because it's Amazing Spider-Man. I have a nice long run. Um, But, you know, it's hard for me to talk about Spider-Man today, Spider-Man, because I don't love it. Like, I, I need to when I talk about comics, I want to love something, you know. It's like uh, the one thing I hate when uh, Gotham by Geeks when we sorry so say this, but when we, you know we want to talk about what's current in Batman comics, and then we go talk about Nightwing, and it's like painful because Nightwing's really bad, you know. Like <laughs> oh, 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 no. it's like come on, you know. It's like hey, let me uh, let me go on a tirade, but you know you have a Titans TV show. You watch it. You get excited. You go, oh, let me go read some Titans comics. Oh wait, there's no Titans comics. Right, they have a Teen Titans that doesn't resemble the TV show. <laughs> Night, Dick Race is no longer Nightwing; he's Ricky. Wonder Girl, I don't know what's going on with Wonder Girl. I mean, you know, I mean, what? I don't get it. I don't understand. You know, I mean, and, and then is it me or is, is, most people now think Cyborg was either a member of Doom Patrol or Justice League? <laughs> not a Teen Titans. I mean, come on. Yeah, don't get us started on Cyborg. No, not that, please. So so anyway, let me be a little positive and let me talk about Avengers two thirty six and two thirty seven. Now I just went on this thing about how I love Spider Man. So why am I talking about Avengers two thirty six, two thirty seven? So 
let me give you a little background. And actually, this is kind of uh, I, I, I thought about this because Wood uh, posted recently that he just finished a jam, uh, Avengers Jam, and it's kind of it's an inspiration is Avengers two twenty one, and that's a classic issue. And so back in the early eighties, believe it or not, for the youngsters listening. They had this rule that the Avengers could only be six-member team. Imagine that. Avengers only having six <laughs> members. And, and actually, it was funny. if you uh, They had that uh, official handbook of the Marvel Universe that came out, the Deluxe Edition, which is so awesome. And you go through it. And it's so funny that they could cover the entire roster, history of the roster of the Avengers, in one and a half pages. Damn. And then even the X-Men and New Mutants is two pages. So back then, you know, it wasn't like teams were all, like, you know, back then, it's not like everyone was on the Avengers. People were doing their own thing. They weren't like on Sundays having dinner together and stuff. So anyway, in issue 221, there was only four Avengers. It was Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, and Ross. And they need some new members. So they decided to go get some new members Cap and Iron Man went back to meet with Hawkeye, convinced him to come join the team. Uh, Ross had a party and invited a whole bunch of female heroes. And Thor went to meet with someone that he's teamed up recently, Spider-Man. So, you know, Thor invited Spider-Man, and Spider-Man was really flattered. He's like, you know what? You know, he's flattered, but he's not much of a joiner. Obviously, this is pre-Bendis and, and New Avengers. Uh and you know he said no, no, you know he's like he's thinking about it, but uh, he's he didn't join the Avengers. And so Hawkeye, he joined the team, and She-Hulk joined the team for the first time. Um, fast forward to Avengers two thirty five, and we see She-Hulk jogging in New York. There's an incident occurs where with a rude driver who cuts off at the Cross Rock. You know, Spy Man, of course, is in New York, so he appears, and you know they they met before they start talking and. He asked, how does it live in New York City? And she says, fine, but looking for housing is, you know, is, you know she's looking for housing because she doesn't want to live in Avengers Manson. And Spider-Man says, yeah, it's tough. Rents, rents are pretty steep here. And then she goes, well, the trouble is the money because I get $1,000 a week being an Avenger. And it's just finding a place. And Spider-Man was just in shock that they get paid $1,000. Yes. <laughs> and he gets pissed that he... He he passed up a chance to be Avengers when they make a thousand a week. This is a Peter Parker. This is guy that needs money. It's like what a thousand dollars a week. So I just thought that was so awesome and so relatable. And I think that's why Peter Parker, when I was a kid, you always related to Peter Parker because you know he he wasn't a guy that had a fancy car, a fancy house. He just you know. He goes out to do the right thing, and he you know, could barely make rent. Um, so this sets up issue uh, 236, 237, where Spider-Man wants to join the Avengers. Um, the issue is written by Roger Stern, who, in my humble opinion, it's probably because I grew up reading Roger Stern, is one of the best Spider-Man writers um, out there. And Breakdowns is by Al Migram, and Finishes by Durst Sinat. Uh, they were the they're basically they were the team of the Avengers back in the early eighties, and it starts off with the Avengers relaxing the Manson, and suddenly the alarm rings, uh, and it's obviously someone's breaking into the Manson, and they go into the dining room, and Spider Man hanging from the ceiling, of course, and he tells them, "I want to be Avenger," which is also the title of the issue, and he goes, "Take me, I'm yours." <laughs> First, 
you know, they didn't like quite like it. You know, they have rules. This is back in the Avengers had all these rules. They were government sponsored and they only allowed to have a six member limit, which, yeah, I personally wish that was the case today. And so Captain America offers Spider-Man the training program. And Spider-Man was like, training program? What? A Spider-Man? Well, I don't need to be a trainee. Uh, you know, they start talking, but then a prairie alert rings, and Spider-Man's like, hey, I could help, And but the Avengers have rules. They kick him out. So he's sitting outside wondering what to do, and then he sees a Crinjet leaves, and so Spider-Man secretly hits a ride. Uh, it's Captain America... Seahawk and Stopbox travel, and they go to uh, Pegasus Project. They landed and they discover Spyman's there, and cast piss, who's just violating security at a federal installation. Uh, they start talking, and the Spyman sense goes off, and there's a you know there's a huge earthquake. So the fact that Spyman knew what was going on, he convinced Captain America to offer you know that he could help, and so Cap lets Spyman to help. So that, what's so cool about this was. No one really knew about the spy sense. No one knew about Spider-Man. You know, even though he's been around for years, he's still a mystery. And that's what I liked about comics back then. It wasn't this big, you know, every month as an event. Anyway, I digress. So, you know, they go down to lower levels, uh, you know, to figure out what's going on. And this character named Mike O'Brien, who's the head of security, and I think he was known as the Guardsman, is there and he's explained that they were attacked by larva men. Of course, Spider-Man cracks a joke about larva men, lava men, and Cap get Cap get upset. Like Cap and Spider-Man do not get along. Like Cap is like get off my lawn type Cap in, in these issues because he's like no, larva men are serious man. I fought them. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they burned my shield. <laughs> I know they were here. So Cap thought this is serious, so he calls the rest of the Avengers. You know, Captain Marvel, uh, Scarlet Rich, and the boss. And it was a different Captain Marvel back then. Uh, what's her? Uh, she's Is it Photon, Photon now? Fo- no, yeah, there's a new Monica name. Monica Rambo. Monica Rambo, yeah. Yeah, doesn't yeah. she have a new name now? I, I get confused, man. I thought. Oh, during. Um, yeah, didn't, um, didn't she change again yeah. in um, No Surrender or No Road Home? Yes. Uh, I forget the name. Uh, it's, yeah, it's in the zone with Photon. It's like yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean her, Donna Troy. What other character keeps changing the identity because they don't know what to do? Yep, they're yeah. on the same list. Um, so anyway, yeah, they show. Uh, you know, they call. Uh, yeah, they Captain. Uh, yeah, they Captain America calls them. Uh, they fight the lava men. Spy men doesn't follow orders, and Caps gets you know old Cap gets mad again. Uh, it wasn't until Captain Marvel arrives that everyone calmed down, and we find out the lava men were just defending themselves because the government drilled down to their home. So that was going on, but throughout the issue, there's this character named Blackout that escapes, and then he frees Moonstone, and eventually they free Rhino and Electro. Now, what's important about Moonstone and Blackout is eventually they join the Masters of Evil later on in the series. Uh, but this is really, I believe, the introduction of Moonstone and Blackout. Not the introduction of Moonstone and Blackout, but just in this Avengers storyline. And I think they include Rhino Electro because Spider-Man's an issue. Um, this story continues to 237, where the larva men go back home. The Ross yells at Spider-Man for interfering. Old man, woman now. So I'm going to apologize and said, well, I guess you guys won't consider me for the Avengers. 
And Rob says, no, she didn't say that. They were considered him as a vendor's trainee. Spider-Man's excited at first, but then he realized, wait a minute, still trainee in training? And Cap says, you know, he needs to work as a, learn to work as a team. And so, you know, they go up in this, like, tube thing that's supposed to be like an elevator, but it's like levitates them. And Spider-Man says, well, what if it doesn't work? Of course, when he, said it doesn't, he says that, something happens and it doesn't work. He catches them. Uh, and so, basically, it's a big fight that occurs uh, with the four villains. Um, they, you know, Moonstone Blackout escapes, but before they, you know, escape, Moonstone destroys a panel that sets in the motion of a nuclear meltdown. So, you know, Spider-Man being Peter Parker, of course, says, well, I know a little science. And he knows how to stop it. And he kind of tells Captain Marvel how to stop it. So the issue ends with them back at the mansion. And Spider-Man's, you know, of course, Spider-Man's truly, like, this is the best. These two issues are just golden Spider-Man stuff. Dialogue is fantastic. You know, you see him thinking, wow, this mansion is pretty big. Like, how many homes is it? And then he's thinking to himself, wow, adventures training? I'm not sure about that. But, man, $1,000 a month, I mean, a week, I could... I could, I could, that's pretty good. So Captain America contacts the U.S. government to get clearance for Spider-Man, and the government gets really mad. They're like, there's no way, no way. They know nothing about Spider-Man. He's a mystery. And Spider-Man gets pissed off. He says, wait a minute. They get this guy, Scott Star Fox, a guy from outer space. They're, they're okay with him, but not me. Dude's name's Eros? Really? We're going to have a guy yes. named Eros over? <laughs> yes, yes. And he just leaves the man. So he's like, nope, I'm done. He says, no, thank you. And, Spider-Man, and you know, Captain America's like, well, let me talk to the president. I could talk to the president. And Spider-Man's like, nah, I'm out. Yep. And so it was just so classic Spider-Man. The fact that, you know, the only reason he wanted to join the Avengers is to get the thousand bucks a week. And the dialogue is just so funny. Um, I mean, Roger Stern knew how to write Spider-Man and how to write Peter Parker. He certainly did. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's good. But see, the thing is, there are certain characters that feel right being an Avenger. Yep. Certainly Captain America, Thor, Iron Man. You got the, the, the trio. And over the years, I thought uh, even Hercules feels right being an Avenger. Yep. Spider-Man yep. does not feel right being an Avenger. Never. He never did to me. There are two characters that I would never make Avengers. Spider-Man and Wolverine. Never, yep. ever. Exactly. I agree. I agree. Because you give you, – they, they have this – lone wolf type mentality where Peter has almost always worked alone, maybe briefly with black cat, you know, because he was getting some on the side, but it's Peter Parker I, works best by himself. I agree. And if he's going to join a team, I think fantastic four makes more sense because his, his friendship with the human torch. Exactly. Yeah. That I, I, I never blinked when uh, Spidey joined the fantastic four. That just seemed natural. I mean, the, the issue with comics today is that in the Marvel Universe, now I sound like an old man, Hassan, but in the Marvel Universe, everyone eventually joins the Avengers. Or in the DC Universe, everyone's a member of Justice League. I'm like, guys, there needs to be boundaries. Yep. You're right. Right? Yep. Like, like if you're an X-Men, you're an X-Men. They didn't get along with the Avengers. Right. They hated each other. Right? There should be... And- limitations where if everybody can be an avenger then you know where's the brass ring right exactly if you're going to form a team of earth's protectors you're not going to put and and i know like 
yes, Hawkeye works in the movies. Hawkeye wouldn't be my first choice for the main Avengers team. Works great in West Coast Avengers, but they weren't the A team, right? I think the, no, you, they weren't. They you're going to have your big guns in the Avengers, and then and and please limit it to at least uh, six is pushing it. Maybe eight. I think eight is a, a good number. Not everybody who's ever been uh, a superhero in the Marvel Universe. That's just crazy. Uh, well, and I mean, it's it's like I just finished the uh, Absolute Carnage event, and I really loved the beginning of it, and it, it ended well. But it's really more of a Venom story more yeah. than a team up. But again, I hate to say this. If I read an event book, I hate at the last issue suddenly all the heroes show up. Just like you know the World Realms, like all this, like they have, like they, they all have to show up. I mean, really, right? And they don't, they don't add value to the story. It's just like, and it's not any, it's not special like it was in Crisis on Infinite Earths where all the heroes are there, or Secret Wars where all the heroes are there. Uh, it's not special anymore. Right. But I digress. And I, I admit I did contradict myself because of my love for Marvel Team-Up. The fact that Peter Parker works best alone, unless it's in Marvel Team-Up. Well, yeah. I mean, that's... Well, I mean, that's... But that's because they're not... Like, he's not buddy-buddies with them. He happens to meet with them. Same thing right. with Batman. I mean, Batman's a loner in the DC Universe, yet he team up with almost everybody. Yep. Over right? time. Right. Yes. And you brought up another interesting point when you said Donna Troy was one of the yeah. most maligned characters uh, in the big two. And I totally agree with you. There was a time, I, I don't remember what year it was, but when that Death of Donna Troy miniseries came off, yes, that very nearly put me off DC. Because it, it was a fundamental lack of of knowledge about the character. The, the people, I, don't, I forget who even wrote it, but it may have even been Marv Wolfman. I don't know. But it just was one of those moments where you're like, are you kidding me? Do you not know who this character is? Mm-hmm. Uh, have you no understanding? And, but the biggest transgression, and again, it came from DC, was Dr. Leslie Tompkins. How they you made... Mean in War Games? In War Games? That's the one where she kills Spoiler? Yes! Where she's yes. she's she's a doctor. I hate, I hate that Bill Willingham, I think, wrote that. And yeah. after he wrote that, I'm like, he, he's done to me. He can't write Batman. Or no. He doesn't get the Batman characters. That made no sense. Yeah. For those of us, for those of you who had weren't reading the title, Leslie Tompkins was a very, very close confident, a confidant of Bruce Wayne's. Um, he, it was like a surrogate mother figure. She would help him out and vice versa. She was uh, a member of the supporting cast that seemed to be while she wasn't in the Batcave, she would be in that inner circle where he trusted her and vice versa. And then she, she, I mean, she was in a long string of, of Batman and detective issues. And so she's a doctor. There's that Hippocratic oath, you know? So Mm -hmm. what she did was she, um, gave, uh, Stephanie Brown, I, I think either the wrong kind of medication or too much of medication, and she intentionally killed her to teach Batman a lesson that he shouldn't be bringing these children into his war. And I was like, "You just don't get it. You you yeah. you don't understand this character." Um, and, but he, then they tried to retcon it where not where she took the body of a dead girl that kind of <laughs> looked like. Stephanie Brown, uh, and okay, Stephanie wasn't dead, but so not only did Tompkins transgress once by killing a minor, now she's dragging the dead body of another 
minor into the picture to cover up her wrongdoings and it's like just don't you're making it worse just stop yeah just yeah just say it was an imaginary story never happened and we'll believe you you don't have to do any fancy footwork but that was the one the one that sticks out in my mind most where the the writer just did not get the character was that that leslie Tompkins war game story like just crazy uh, I hate I hate that story. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a huge. Obviously, I, I'm on a Batman podcast. I love Batman. That's the my favorite character is Batman. I have like so many Batman comics and collections, and that's probably my least favorite. One of my least favorite stories of all time. It's probably the same thing as Wood with uh, Jeff Loeb's and the dog Wolverine's a dog story. <laughs> yeah. but, evolution. And, I mean, there's some stories that you like. How did this ever get approved? How did they think this is right? Emerald Twilight. Emerald Twilight, yes. Yeah. Oh, let's make Hal a drunk driver. Yeah. Mm. And then we'll yeah, have like, Gwen sleep. Well, that with... was Emerald Dawn, but Emerald Twilight, of course, is when he went crazy. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. He yeah, kills the that. entire core. Yes. That was... And then, oh, yeah. And let's have Gwen have sex with her, uh, her, uh, um, Norman Osborne. Yeah. Norman. I'm like, oh, what? Oh, God. Yeah. That's, uh... <laughs> I, I mean, I... we all know that Gwen. Is much better than Mary Jane. Can we all agree on that? <laughs> See, yeah, right. I, I think we can. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, where's Hassan been all our lives? So we went. Would never stoop I, to that. They. I. When I do think about everything that they've done to, specifically in this case, Donna Troy, I just I have to. Just. There is, like we all have, we all enjoy runs of books and there are some sweet spots in every run so i mean i may enjoy all of the new teen titans from the first wolf and perez issue all the way to um issue 50 51 52 and and uh so yeah so from the first issue to the wedding and slightly after and and that's that that's a fantastic run that's that that's yes, a near perfect run in my eyes and but there's a there's a sweet I, spot I in the around the early to mid 30s mm-hmm. up to um through through dick quitting as 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 robin Coming back as Nightwing, the introduction of Jericho, the Judas contract, and then of course yep. the wedding of 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 um, Donna and and Vince's favorite character Terry. And and, <laughs> and, well, and was that Mark Workman putting himself in the story? I kind of think so. Yeah. Uh, but if you're going to marry a character, so but so. but one of my all time favorite single issues, without a doubt, and I don't and and this is testament that you know. They can do stupid shit later on, but it doesn't ruin that story. And that is that is who is Donna Troy, and and I think that's issue thirty eight. But that is absolutely, and that's I mean that's a fantastic issue because we're getting we're getting Donna Troy's origin, which there I guess never really was a definitive origin by that time. But it was also Dick Grayson being detective, and and it wasn't a Robin story. It was Dick Grayson doing something for his his, his dear friend and. You just got to see Dick doing what he want, what, what, what he can do, and and that is that is a fantastic issue. And then for them to 
change it to like, who is Donna Troy, where now she's no, 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 she's actually a descendant of of the Greek gods, and and she, you know, what her her being in that in that burned apartment and and being adopted and then being sent to to the Miscarry. It, it's like, why would you? Why would you check? Like, what was the point of everything was perfect? You didn't need to I know. add anything to it. We didn't need extra layers. It's just, and then, and then she's Troya. And then, and then oh. it's just, and I'm just like, I'm like, what are you like? You had a great character and it's like, you didn't need to do that. Like of all the characters for DC. I mean, I, I understand people like, Oh, why would you, why would you, you know, make Jane Foster Thor? And why, what's the, why, why, why is, Sam Wilson have to be Captain America. Why is Bucky have to like what? What's the matter with just leaving it the way it is? And that, this different. is one time where it's just like I it's want different. her to stay the way it is. I just, but yeah. I agree. I mean, and then I don't know if you've been watching the Titan season two, but yes. Um, and so season one, I I like season one. Some people didn't like it as much. I liked it a lot, except for the last episode. The last episode was pretty bad, actually. So, you know, but I I felt like. What they did was with season two is they looked at what what they did well season one, which is like Hawk and Dove, Donna Troy, and they focused on those characters more so than the stupid Beast Boy, who's really could be called Tiger Boy because it's only character thing. Oh, and a snake. Well, no, he was a snake once for a second. <laughs> he was a snake. That's right. Uh, okay, yeah. but mostly he's a Tiger Boy. Yes. Um, and like Donna Troy, like I watched that. I watched the show, and that Donna Troy. Is exactly the Don Troy that I read yep. when I read Mark Furfman and George Perez T Titans. In fact, I mean, I mean, this I'm a 48 year old guy, but I'm like I just like when I was a kid. Donna Troy was the girl. Starfire was the girl that you wanted to like go out with, maybe date, but one of the girl was the girl they want to be with always. She was yeah. like, yes, she's her. She was the soul of Titans. Her and Death. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and and I've. I'm up to um, the spoilers for people who who aren't current on tights. I am up to the part where um, I'm up to the episode where um, Dick wants to be alone. It's it's the episode after he wants to just get on a plane and yes. go somewhere. So it's it's the episode. I'm, I'm I'm being vague for for people who aren't current. Yeah, I know. Um, but I absolutely love. I never thought. I, I Vince. I swear. I never thought I'd say this. Uh oh. But. But I am. This show has made me a fan of Hank Hall. Wow. This dude, this dude playing yes. Hawk is no goddamn joke. I absolutely love him. And Dawn Dove looks fantastic. Yes. But, but, oh, she's but, awesome. But Hank Hall is 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 great you as mean, a character you mean on this show. <laughs> no, this see, this is the thing. Like, I, I'm almost tempted to say he may. This guy could maybe. If if he didn't have Dawn and if he didn't have certain things in his life, then I could see him being Monarch if DC was smart. But but no, yeah, no, he's yeah, not Captain Monarch. Adam. But he's <laughs> he is um he he's fantastic in it. Even even Con- I'm 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 waiting for Connor to grow on me. I'm still I'm a little loose. Connor, on that now. it's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, he looks but, the part, but, but he's just he's a little stiff. And what about Arkalad Garth, man? I, Garth, don't know, he was I, I didn't. I, I well, I mean, I I wasn't really expecting um like Billy Ray Cyrus as 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 that's us, but you know that's we kind of get that. Uh, but but yeah, but 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 Wonder Girl, absolutely fantastic. I'm 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 fine with Corey, uh, the 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 actor playing Dick Grayson 
is fantastic. I, I really do, you know, and I've 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 been in chats with um with with Flippa and and Hassan about this, and you know, I think there's been like, you know, when it comes to characters, Deathstroke is a favorite of mine. No 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 doubt about it. Really. And, no, no lie. You may not, you may not be aware of this. Much. I did not know this. By the way, do people know that uh, Dap and I love the Teen Titans? I mean, like it's one of my favorite uh, uh, series of all time. Uh, yeah. Dap is in it one of yours. So, and and we have, and and you know, I've I enjoy when Teen Titans go, and I I did enjoy the version they have. In Arrow, I, I I thought that version of Slade Wilson and that version of Deathstroke going up against Arrow, I, I enjoyed that that version of it. Wasn't the Teen Titans version? It wasn't the guy no, who, who was wasn't. going up against you know everybody back in the day. But I, I enjoyed that version of it. And they have it's it's a tad unfortunate. They, Isai Morales is a fantastic actor. I've loved him in everything he's done, whether it's La Bomb or NYPD Blue. Dude's great. And they have him playing Slade Wilson, and he 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 plays the 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 guy who's just he he acts like a mercenary and and I believe that he he actually could be this guy unfortunately for me Isai Morales is not a very tall person and and it it and I made the joke that it's almost like it's a hobbit going up against wonder girl he is not <laughs> he's it's 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 hard for me to to, to see him taking on wonder girl or or Robin and, you know, think that it, it's very easy to see why they would be able to hold their own against him. He's not, he's not mopping the floor with them. He's not, he it's, it's just, it's, he's not, he doesn't, he's a great Slade Wilson. I don't really buy him as Deathstroke in that outfit, but I mean, he's the closest we have as a live action version to what we had in the comics in the eighties. It's just as Deathstroke, it's a little off. But I, I really have enjoyed this second season of Titans. Seeing seeing the characters because because when you first watch it in the first season, it's like, hey, here's Raven, and here's 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 Beast Boy, here's Doom Patrol. But it's it's mostly Raven convincing Dick that you know he needs to be more th- than just this detective for for the police department and. And we're trying to get a feel for who Corey is. So it really was kind of just putting the pieces on the board so, so you get a feel of what who's who. The second season, though, and, and what bugged me about, and yeah, I, I agree with you about the last episode of the first season, but the, the first episode of the second season, I don't know why they didn't just, like, we really didn't need the cliffhanger. They could have just tacked. Those I, I, minutes I, I totally agree. Episode. It, it, it was it. It was like, why? This is what I waited for. And like, and then it's just like, okay, crisis averted. Let's all hop in the cars and go where we got to go. And I'm like, that was, I'm, I feel, I feel yeah. now. I'm like, I, so, um, it felt like the second episode of second season was really the first episode of the season because it's a different, it changed a lot with that episode. The first episode of this season was really more continuation than season one. And it, I, it, they may. I felt like they made a bad decision. I agree, hundred percent. And and you oh, have, have Jason Todd too, as well, which I actually <laughs> like. Now he, he's he's an ass, just yeah, like he is in the in the comics. But I just like his interaction with the other characters. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I, I can't. Yeah, I. I mean, he, he's still Jason Todd, so I still kind of, I, I, I still pucker up when I see him. But it, it's still a, um, you know, there, there, there's a scene, Vince, where he is thrown, or he, he's falling from a building, and and I wish that that the. the the screen popped up an, a, a 900 number to call to whether or not he'd, he'd be ah, saved. Nice. But they didn't. And he was saved because that's when Connor shows up. And it's, um, you know, but yes, he's an asshole. And, and he thinks, you know, he, he's, he's a typical kid where I'm not going to take advantage of someone else's experiences. And, and Dick is trying to explain to him what, what, being Robin means and, and, and what you're expected. And, 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 and Jason's just not hearing it. He just thinks that, you know, like he's, he's a badass and Batman picked him, blah, blah, blah. But the interaction between Bruce and Dick is, is, is great. I mean, they, 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 they got some really good actors to play these parts. So it's the second season. It's absolutely an improvement over the first. And I did enjoy the first, but yeah, the second season, I, I have, um, I have a couple of, I don't. I, I don't. I think the season ends what Friday. Yeah, it ends Friday. Yeah. So and I have renewed for season three. So I'm excited. Yeah, and and that's why I decided to to renew the DC universe for next year. But it it's a um. But yeah, so I have. I should be. I'll be caught up by 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 the by the weekend. I'll I'll watch the, the couple episodes I have to, and then Friday's episode, and then I'll be I'll be good to go. But yeah, I, I agree with Austin. It, it's the second season. Is that loose? is absolutely fantastic it's 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 a solid solid effort from uh from the dc universe yeah and and when i think of uh i mean i'm a big just or again i'm a fan of dc comics but uh just for people to this in case people didn't know but i mean i prefer the titans over the cw shows right now i mean arrow's pretty good i feel like they're doing a really good job with like the fact that it's ending that's why it's doing well but yeah, I'm not feeling CW shows the same. Every show feels like the same thing. It's Team Arrow, Team Flash, Team Supergirl. Yeah. It's like, it's like the same plot, man. Same, too much formula. I actually prefer TV shows that are short now. Like, I feel like shorter seasons are tighter stories. I don't know. I mean, it's just uh, network television is, is kind of getting old for me. But I think shorter seasons... If, like, I except, I, except I, for the Marvel Netflix shows because they got like one story that like they extended too long, but it yeah. has to be tight. Yeah, yeah. I, I, because I mean, while we're while we're living it, because we're watching it as it happens, we're not binging Watchmen. So, but it's very. I mean, right now, since we're watching it as it's happening, it's very easy for me to say I don't know if we're going to get everything we're going to get in these few episodes that they're giving us for this season. And right. I, I would love for the season to be a little bit longer, but again, I have faith in them. I trust them based on the episodes we've seen so far that, you know, the people involved know what they're doing and, and, you know, but, and, and if I were to binge it, if I were to watch it, anybody who isn't watching it now and is going to wait for the season to wrap up, they may feel that, yeah, no eight or nine or whatever, many episodes, that's fine. That's perfect. That's, the right amount. They did everything they were supposed to do, and they moved on. But as I'm experiencing them in real time, I don't feel like we're getting enough episodes. I, I agree with that. I mean, I guess my thought is, 
like the like the Watchmen or the Titans or uh, other like I would call them like shorter seasons. You're right, but I feel the reason why I feel we don't get enough is because the tighter and shorter. Yeah, and yeah, so it, you always want to leave like the the best comic books are the ones where they they want you, they you read it and you want more versus say I'm going to pick on CW shows, but uh, like like the Flash, they have one villain at the beginning of the season. And then it's like on and on for 24 episodes and they have like fill in episodes and you're like, oh, my God, just get to the conclusion, you know. And so there's, there's a there's a balance. And so I rather them leave me more, although I think I'm going to be sad when the Titans end on Friday because I've really been digging the season. Yeah, I agree. I, I can see that happening. Yeah. I think I've said this before, but back in the day when New Teen Titans was going head-to-head with Uncanny X-Men mm-hmm. for the, the number one slot. Yeah. Teen Titans was my go-to. Yeah. I bought both. Yeah. I read both. But I enjoyed the Wolfman Perez New Teen Titans more than what was going on at in the Uncanny X-Men at the time. And so, I think I, I, I agree with you. I, although I pick up the X Men later on, but yeah, the the I think the characters I could relate to more so. Same, and because of that exposure to New Teen Titans, I think there's an oversaturation of Titans in the DC universe. Meaning not only the the print arena, but in the uh, the expanded universe, like. They have Teen Titans Go, this Titan show that's on yeah. the the DC thing. I don't know what's going on with the Teen Titans in the the, the DC universe proper. I have no idea. The same. Yeah, the, and it, it's the, just there's too many flavors of Titans. Uh, and I'll, I I admit, and and I know you may get the side I may get the side eye for saying this. Teen Titans Go does absolutely nothing for me. I've tried. Oh, really? I've tried to watch it. It's it's far too jokey. The the characters are all squished and weird looking for me. I know what it is and the function of it, uh, but it's just not for me. I I, I remember Mo- Wolfman delivering these stories that were adult for the time. There was there was relationship issues and identity issues and uh, like with Jericho, and then there was. Um, life and death and marriage and and mercenaries sleeping with other underage girls and it just that all that I mean it, it wasn't explicit but it was more mature than the usual superhero fare and that exposure when I see branches of that new Teen Titans tree that they got going on now it just it doesn't work for me I I, I it doesn't feel right you know uh, so no, maybe I'm a purist. I don't know. I, I mean, I would say this. Um, I have a theory that Crisis on Infinite Earths, and I'm going to talk about this towards the end with my uh, in your travels, but Crisis on Infinite Earths screwed up two major DC franchises that was the top before Crisis, uh, Teen Titans and Legion. Mm-hmm. And both of them never recovered from Crisis. Um, and you know, I do like the new T Titans series with Alan Glass. You know, it has Damien, Kid Flash. It's good. I enjoy it, but it's not the Titans. No, I wish it was called something else. 
And I go watch the TV show, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Hawk and Dove, Dick, Donna. Yes, awesome. And then you go, hey, I want to read a book on this. It's like I remember seeing the uh, first X-Men movie, loving the first X-Men movie. I thought this was a great, oh, this is awesome. And I go to uh, the local comic shop and pick up a X-Men book, and I read it. I was like, yeah, this is not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like, uh, I think Claremont just got back on the X-Men for like the first time, and it was just a mess. Um, and that's my point. It's like, I know people who watch the movies and TV shows don't really read the comics, but you would think that if you have a TV show out there, you might want to have a comic book that people could read who watch the TV show. Maybe. Yeah. Because even if 1% of the people that watch the TV show want to pick up the comic book, that's a lot of sales for uh, relative to comic um, sales. Yeah. I'm going to make a prediction. Yes. When DC inevitably reboots their line and make, make <laughs> you know how how uh, how much they love the reboot. When, <sighs> yeah. When they do it, maybe a year, maybe five years, I don't know, but it's inevitable. It is DC. When they do it, yes, it's going to be a, a slate wiper to the point where it's going to go all back to the way it was. Well, they did that with Infinite Crisis, right? When uh, Jeff Johnson did it, a bit, right? A bit, to a point. I think that's the... See, I feel like they should do what Marvel does, where they do soft recons. If you want to change something, do a soft recon. Just change it slightly. Don't don't make a big deal, because think about this. You know, nowadays you sell collections. How do you sell collections if you say, hey, read this great series. By the way, it doesn't count anymore, but read it anyway. You know, it's like... Right. I, I like it when you can read any series and it somewhat counts. You know, I mean, there's great history. I, I like how Bendis is right, Superman, where he doesn't give a damn ass if it's in, in, it's, if it's in continuity or not. He's just writing about it. He just assumes every Superman story uh, took uh, happened. Same with Tom King when he writes Batman. You know, it doesn't matter if New 52 happened or this recon happened. Hey, he brings back Batman characters that... Really? He just yeah, he read a Batman comic from the fifties, he's gonna bring them back. Right. That's it's fun. Like. But as long as you stay true to the character, that's fine. And Bendis yeah. you know, say what you will about his style, at least he knows that his position is temporary. Whether he stays on Superman for a year or five years, he's eventually gonna leave the book. So yeah. he's yeah. he's he's writing, I'm sure, the the best stories he can. He's gonna cash the check write the next issue, and then when he's done, he's done. So he's not beholden to to anything other than writing a good story. But my reasoning for the reboot is, and Jason would probably disagree with this, maybe, I don't know, that I think the majority of the people, and it's borne out in, in the demographics, the majority of the people that are buying Marvel and DC books have been doing so for many, many, many years. We're, we're all a bunch of old farts, we're still dropping the, the, the coin in hopes of the nostalgia factor. Well, I think DC is going to capitalize on that whenever they decide to do it again. Because when you have an aging fan base who remembers the way it was, wouldn't you want to feed that beast to get the sales where they maybe in the ballpark to what they used to be? 
I mean, I, I, I think so. Unfortunately, we're in the system. I mean, look at like they, they even one thing that uh, Marvel does, they might not reboot, but they start with the new number one all the time. Like there's a new Doctor Strange number one coming out by Mark, written by Mark Gray, who's doing Doctor Strange. But hey, it's time to do a new number one just to boost up the sales. So I, I, it's kind of depressing sometimes when you think about the number of times uh, ties are rebooted or yeah. relaunched. And, you know, I miss the old days where it's like a long run and you just, you along with the ride. Some issues might be okay. Some issues are great, but you just read it. It's a long run. It's not like a story arc that's written for the trade. You just read it. You know, right. just like the adventures I just talked about, there were no story arcs back then. They wrote as they went along. You know, they had subplots that they sometimes will complete. Or if you Chris Claremont, you never complete because he has like 10,000 subplots. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, it's like, you know, it's like, I, I don't know. Uh, but I definitely think DC's going to reboot again. They I mean, they always, they always do, unfortunately. And but I feel like, you know, it hurt a lot of certain characters. Like Hawkman is probably the number one oh, character that's been yeah. through too many times. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, Just Society's all screwed up now. And that was a hot book when Jeff Johns was writing it, man. Yeah. You know? Well, they are and coming you know, back, Jeff, right? They are, but, you know, they are. They are eventually, I guess. But uh, I do love the Persons of Legion, and I like the fact that it's a fresh look of legion i mean legion's been rebooted so many times it's not even funny um and it's because of the goddamn and i love man of steel john burns man of steel because if it wasn't for that i would never read superman because i wasn't a big fan of superman and you know looking back at it i thought john burn did too much taking away what made superman superman special but he got so many people reading superman like me that i'm a superman fan for life now yeah and now i like the older stuff but unfortunately, one of the things that John Byrne did was he said, hey, he was never Superboy. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. If he's never Superboy, how is Superboy part of Legion? Oh. Yeah, it's screwed things up. Wonder Woman, you know, she became a remember end of crisis, so you reverted back to being Clay. But no. Then see, like, they keep changing their minds. They had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what, what about Wonder Girl? Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you know, when you're on that monthly treadmill and it's all about sales, you, you throw whatever at the wall you can and you see what sticks. If if they could look into the future and, and see what works, then they would do it. But unfortunately, they don't have that ability. So you just no, got to no, try. And, and no different than back in the 70s, remember? And I mean, we're talking about... I don't think comics are going away because even in the seventies they thought comics were going to go away. Oh, comics are dead. Remember there was some talk. I mean, I guess we're not that old, but going back and reading like back issue or people thought the comics were ending in the seventies and it came back. It always comes back. Um, but you're right. They're always about the sales. That's why they had the, the cliffhangers. That's why they had team ups. It's always about trying to get that sale boost. Yeah, which was very uh, surprising to me when DC decided to go back to the numbering for action, because that if when you see a one thousand twenty five on the cover, that speaks to the long term fan, not to you know new readers. New readers don't really care 
about, well, I, I would assume that they don't really care about the numbering because they're discovering something new and then, okay, there's a lot of other stuff you didn't read. Here it is. But the fact that DC made action go back to the, the, the long-term numbering, you're speaking to the, the, the diehards, the guys that have been around forever reading this. Thing. I know. And that, that's what lends me to believe that they have the, uh, the old guard in mind currently at DC. And I'm thinking if you wanted to do a, a line-wide reboot, Dr. Manhattan's a real good way to do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just, I just want to go stories at this point. Yeah. But, same, but, same. but I tell you when I go to my back issues, like to talk about Macy Spider-Man, I love Spider-Man, but goddamn, it's very confusing to put Spider-Man in order. I don't know what volume I have. And, you know, it's like, what volume is this? You know, it's like, yeah. how many times in my Macy Spider-Man can, can be renumbered? It's beyond me. Oh, how many times? I think it's been at least five, right? I don't know. I yeah. guess so. You got yeah. the legacy number. You got the old number. I, I don't know. It's crazy. But it's like, uh, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. It is. It is. But the, the stories will endure. That's the, that's the thing oh, we, yeah. have, we have to latch on to. As long as, you know, the stories are there, it, it'll keep us coming back for good or ill. I mean, we can bitch and complain about the stories we don't like and we champion the stories we do. But it's, it all, it waxes and wanes like every other art form. I mean, I would say this, you know, we all have busy lives and I was telling you guys, like, I love when you guys recommend non DC Marvel books, but yeah. for someone who's busy, like me, a DC Marvel book is like comfort food, man. Yeah. Like I think you just yeah. easily read a DC Marvel book and understand what's going on and get enjoyment. You know, one of the things that prevents me from reading so many image books is that I, I, I'm 48 years old. I have two kids. I have, a, you know, I'm always working. I have a lot of stuff going on. It's hard to keep track of all these different characters, you know. But hey, I can read Batman book. Basically, I know what's going to happen. This Batman, I know the he's like it's just it's just easier to get into a Batman and Spiderman book than it is a image book. And there's some really great image books out there too, but they're so complicated that you kind of have to wait for the trade to make sure that you remember it. Uh, what's going on? Like Issa West, I love Issa West, but I, I got to read the trade, man. It's just it's just so complicated. Yeah, it's deep. So- yeah, very involved storytelling. Yeah, but yeah. That, that's at Marvel and, and DC too. It's just that you have a longer history with those characters, yeah. so your 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 mind fills in a lot of the blanks that you don't have the luxury of of having with these new image series. New, yes, that's you know, true. Rel- relatively new, but yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we'll be here forever reading these things. Yeah. We 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 say, "Oh, I'm done." Well, I do a lot. No. I'm done with this stuff. Yeah, whatever. I you just I'm never done. Same. I have never Have you guys ever quit it? I have never quit reading comics. No, I can't. I've reduced my number of comics in college, you know, because I was busy with college and funds, but I have never ever stopped reading comics. I've never been one of those people that, that said, "Oh, I stopped reading comics and I got back in." I think even like uh like I started reading comics when Star Wars came out. I got the Star Wars comic, not the first one. My cousin did. I got issue, I want to say seven, the Han Solo, you know, with the bounty hunters, with the, that that um, yeah. that rabbit bounty hunter or something character. I can't remember the name. Jackson. And Jackson. Jackson, that's it. I started reading Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica, Micronauts. Eventually, I moved on to Batman, but I've never stopped reading comics. I stopped reading 
maybe DC or Marvel at one point. Um, but I never stopped reading comics. I, I shifted. Never say, yeah. I, yeah. I, I never, I mean, I, I stopped buying cause I had to, mm-hmm. but I never, I, I still read what I had. I still, yes. I was still, I was still in love with, with the medium, with the hobby. But yeah, there were, there was, there was, there was a chunk of time where I wasn't able to buy new stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I can see that. Yeah. Like, like there was a time where I had very little funds. And so I read like maybe four or five comics a month, but I still read four or five comics. Mm-hmm. I had never stopped reading because I love the medium. I love the stories. I shifted up. I, yeah. I, I went from the four color books to when uh, Warren was in full swing. I would much rather buy a copy of Eerie or Creepy, which was four times the amount of a standard Marvel comic at the time because they were, they were dollar. I, I would buy Monsters Unleashed, uh, Tales of the Zombie in a second, and I'd leave Avengers. Ne- never Spider-Man. I always bought the Spider-Man books. But I would leave, you know, the Batman and the Justice League and, and the, the four-color comics on the stands. Wouldn't touch them if there was a new eerie or creepy or, or marvel magazine and then that branched out into heavy metal after a while so mm. when, when you're you know a, a, a teen or a youngster and you only have three dollars a week to buy comics and these books on the stands are now five times the cost of a, of a regular comic you know so i have there's a certain period i can track my collecting habits where i would have hundreds of magazines to the uh, point where the comics would be like maybe, you know, in the in the tens or the the twenties for that certain year where I would just scoop up all the magazines I could get because that was my preferred format. The artwork was bigger, the stories were longer, they were more adult. <laughs> uh, yeah, who's what teenage boy is not going to go? Oh yeah, for the TNA over you know the the same old same old. From Marvel and DC, you get those those uh, chemicals moving in your body, and you're going to gravitate towards what Jim Warren was doing, and then Heavy Metal. Like, whoa, that's the one I oh, want. I, I know Heavy Metal blew my mind away. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah, I did the same thing. I, I bought a lot of independent books once I found my first comic shop, which was actually a Geppy comic shop. Believe it or not, one of the first comic shops I ever found was a Geppy comic shop near my house in Florida. And I started buying some independent comics. And it was like, wow, this is so different. Um, it just blew my mind. Blew yeah. my mind. There was a shop. It was a bit of a trek from my home. It was maybe about 25 minutes away in, uh, in Wilkes-Barre. And I'm in Scranton, of course. And back in the day, it was called Jima Books. And they would produce an in-house um, newsletter slash ordering system like they would list all the books that were available for that month and in the back and you could select them and then you know that was your pull list but in the front they would spotlight non-marvel non-dc stuff that's the first time i was ever introduced to books like cerebus and yummy mm-hmm. fur and um i don't think it spilled over into love and rockets it may have yeah, well, yeah, it would have to because it's the first place that I, I learned of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And th- this guy was on the ball. He's unfortunately, he's passed away. But it was just, you know, um, eight and a half by 11, 
folded in half, stapled in house. He'd give them to all his regular surprise, uh, subscribers. You you would list what you wanted, and in the front you got some reading material written by himself and you know the more um, experienced customers. And it was the greatest thing ever. It, it was like one of the, the the only shops I've ever known to do something like that. Because now they just throw the previews at you. You know, they it's, do. it's so corporate and 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 cold. You know, this was a passionate um, magazine written by people who really, really loved comics. And aside from the owner, really didn't have all that much stake in whether or not you bought the issue. They just wanted to tell you why they loved it. And so it was like an honest glimpse into fandom by the fans. And then when I discovered uh, Comics Reader and uh, Gary Groth's publications, which led to the Comics Journal, I was like, wow, there's a huge, huge world of, of comics out there that I'm missing by going to these newsstands. You know, they no, I agree. The, the Comics Journal I never got into because I felt that when I read it, they always made they didn't like DC and Marvel, and I'm like, well, I like DC and Marvel. They're making fun of me. Um, and I remember uh, a friend of mine that owned a comic shop. He still does, actually. He would always made a point that he would never say anything negative about a comic book because someone who goes to his shop might like it. Yeah, sure. Not that he he wouldn't lie about it, but he wouldn't be talked negative in front of somebody, you know, because they might like it. That's but, your smart you know business. I, yeah, it's smart. But you know what publication I loved when I was a kid, and no matter how much money I had, I always bought it because I love it. I read it back and front. Amazing Heroes. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, that was just one of the best publications out there. You read it; they're so deep. So the interviews were like like so. Oh, it was so good, man. Yeah, and another one was um, like that. Comics Buyer's Guide. Yes, the first, I remember getting that. First time I ever got, they had this um, promotion where you could order a sample copy mm-hmm. for whatever it was, a dollar plus a quarter postage or whatever, and, and you would get this huge honking newspaper. And the, 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 my first issue, I can vividly remember, it came around July of whatever year it was, I read that issue back to front, front to back, until we went back to school. And I, I was blown away. It's because all not only the 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 uh, the prose and the you know the the uh, insight into the comics industry, but all those freaking ads in the back, where you can you can order basically anything. It was like holy crap! This is colossal. I I never dreamed that there was this many people. That that read and collected comics in living in in a, a little tiny town in Pennsylvania, like we weren't privy to this kind of stuff. Where you know, if you went two hours to New York City, that it was it was robust there. But at, at my age, I didn't have much chance to to get out into the city. You know, so this was my window into into comics fandom. It was very enlightening. So I subscribed immediately, scraped whatever money I had together, and and mom and dad, you know, paid the majority of it. But I, C, CBG was like one of those things where it was an event whenever it came, and I was saddened when it eventually petered out. Like the last couple of years of CBG were just, they were on fumes. You know, when yeah. when Don died, yeah, that was pretty much the death knell of that. I mean, they went, Maggie went for years after that, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't the same. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I, things that I enjoyed about the CVG was the way that they 
um, treated the the letters page. They they it was almost like it was a conversation they, yeah. instead of just instead of just reprinting letters that people sent and sometimes you would get a response in the back of the issue sometimes you wouldn't it would just be letter after letter but don would kind of preface a letter and then respond and and it was almost like it it was a back and forth and and yeah i mean it was i i i I didn't subscribe but i i bought them from the stand from, from from the comic shop and i did subscribe when it went to the magazine format monthly which was not the same the name was there but it wasn't the same at all and and um and yeah it's it's i mean whether i was reading the laws of ass or or buzz or just i it, it didn't matter and, and but i digress i just i loved everything about that newspaper yep same same when this when the sections went away the hair on the back of my neck kind of stood up because you could you could feel it like okay they're on life support right now yeah, it's just something was was off. There was a a malignancy there that I, they didn't know about, I, but you could just tell that the magazine was shrinking, the the page count was shrinking, the ads in the back were dwindling, and it was just something's not right here. Yeah, but that's just a product of time. Things change. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I have the second part of my uh, my theme here. If you want to hear about it. Okay. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. I have been flying the Alterna Comics flag for a while. DAP2. DAP2. Because uh, I believe that they're a very um, important company, or they will be, because uh, they champion the newsprint. And that's the format that existed when we first got into these things. So it, there's a nostalgia factor just, just to the, the tactile um, ness of their books. It feels like the old stuff. They're light. It's, you know, the colors are garish in, in some spots. That's okay. I like that. I like flat color. And uh, they have been doing some very good work and some work that's not so very good, right? I mean, it, it happens. You, you can't win them all. But I think one of their very, very best titles, and I talked about it before, it's called Midnight Mystery. Uh, I talked about uh, the first two issues of Volume 1. For this week, I read issues 3 and 4 of Volume 1, and I read issues 1 and 2 of Volume 2, which uh, started recently. The Volume 2 is subtitled City of Ghosts. So just to refresh your memory, it's about... Uh, Zeke King. He's a private eye. But he's a private eye that seems to attract the paranormal. And in the first two issues of Volume 1, I told you he's offered a job to uh, find the heir of uh, a man named Roland Blackwood. And Blackwood was a horror host who became very popular. And, uh, you know, he's on TV, everybody's seeing him. So he attracted a good amount of ladies, and one of which he produces an heir. And the heir is, is gone missing. So his, his butler hires uh, Mr. King to, to find his son. And that storyline is continued, not in the main feature, 
in each issue, but it's continued in in the end pages. They'll expend their story through, you know, 25 or 28 pages, and they cap it off with the a little bit more about what's going on with Conrad and his father. See, I can't say for sure the father is dead, but it may be his ghost and or the memory of him that's possessing this kid. So daddy's alive and well, in spirit at least, in this kid's, whether it's in his body or it's a mental projection, is not completely clear yet. But it's interesting because you get a little taste of this overarching narrative. But in the uh, main story, you get uh, Mr. King involved in all this paranormal shenanigans. Like in the uh, the third issue, this man comes to him and he said, he says, you got to help me because um, I'm haunted. The The ghost of my wife haunts me. And he's like, oh, do tell. See, okay, I got married um, to a woman whose father had a substantial amount of money, um, but he squandered it all. He had a gambling problem. So because she was so uh, full of shame for what daddy did, she um, set fire to uh, the the house and the, the estate, whatever, and she burned and uh, because of that, her ghost haunts me. And all right, so so Mr. King is on the case. And there's an O. Henry moment at the end where um, this man is now engaged to another woman. And he, he so he hires Mr. King to protect him from the ghost, at least until he gets married. Turns out that the the, the ghost of the wife does appear and she's all on fire and her hair is it's beautifully done um there was some shenanigans i don't want want to spoil the whole thing but there was some shenanigans involved with her death that it may not have been caused by herself and then there's a another twist there's like two old henry's where the wife or the the bride-to-be from his second marriage has some kind of shady past too so let's just call it um fire and water. But Mr. Price will be excited to know that in the spirit of Fantastic Four 252, the entire issue's landscaped. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's, it's written and illustrated by Bernie Gonzalez, who seems to have a consummate love for Darwin Cook. Okay. His style is very evocative of darwin cook there are buildings and establishments within the issue there's a a cook lounge there's a kirby closet uh so he's he's tipping the hat to his influences within the storyline but you know it's not overt he's not saying oh darwin cook is my reason for existence he's just naming a building after after mr cook um, and when you see Gonzalez's women, you're like, okay, you can see the influence, uh, the way he composes panels, the subject matter, right? He's he's Darwin Cook is on this man's brain, which it's a good thing. The influence is 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 wonderful to see someone who is inspired by Darwin Cook, but is not trying to ape his style so much because that would be an impossible task. 
I think. But anyway, um, then there's an issue where Mr. King is plagued by these, I don't want to call them nightmares. Yeah, I guess you could, by these nightmares of men in the armed services who have met untimely deaths or uh, strange deaths. And he's he's gone through the whole issue. He's like, what in the hell is going on? The ghosts of the servicemen were talking, were speaking through him to get him to find this cache of of um, letters, and he delivers them to their uh, remaining family. It's like their their last words to their loved ones. And Mr. King is the conduit through which these these men um, speak. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful series. Uh, King is kidnapped at the end of the first miniseries by this dude called, his name's Ambrose. He's like, what in the hell is going on? Well, I kidnapped you because I have a job for you. It's a hell of a way to get somebody to work for you. But um, his employer, who we see towards the you know the middle of the first issue and then the second, he's all bandaged up and he's in a chair and he's just creepy looking. He wants King to, to uncover the whys and the hows of a, the death of this man named Willie. And Willie has a few surviving trinkets, a key, you know, um, uh, membership to a boxing uh, ring or a boxing gym. So he's on the trail. And it's just, you're reading this, and it just feels like, you know, like the thin man, like David likes, or just an, an old-timey vintage whodunit or why they done it through the filter or the lens of a, a Darwin Cook-esque um, writer-illustrator. I think it's a great, great series. It holds up very well with anything from um, larger publishers, let's say. Uh, there's, a, there's a zombie-ish edge to it where um, these guys are obviously mesmerized by something, and I'm going to bring up the Watchmen again because it, episode six was phenomenal. But anyway, um, where the, someone is pulling their strings and they walk around saying, no loose ends, no loose ends. And it's cool. It's, it's, it's not lighthearted by any means, but it, it's, it's, there's an innocence to it that I love. Um, King has a friend named Gus uh, whose wife is uh, deceased and there's, it's implied that King and Gus's wife had more than a friendly attraction. And there's a lot of mysteries here. And I love it. And the cover price, a dollar and a half per really? issue. Yep. Yeah. Buck and a half. That, that's damn good. I mean, I was checking the art online when you were speaking. The art is pretty good, actually. Yep. Um, yeah, it looks great. And I love, as a... Uh, a long-term reader we're we're very used to the digital coloring and and this coloring is digital but it's not pushed to the limits like marvel and dc do with the blends and the fountain fills and and all that stuff more often than not the colors are flat and i i just something about flat color speaks to me it i know what it is it brings me back to the time when we first started reading comics yeah yeah I don't like garish, um, and and I I will point my finger at Alex Sinclair. Some of the stuff that Sinclair does, it gets into the 
look what I can do territory with with you know Photoshop and or Illustrator. I don't know what he uses to color, but uh, it's it's just too much. Mm-hmm. I, I like the the you know the flat methodology where they just bump colors next to each other, and those with the better uh, mm-hmm. grasp of color theory make it work, and those with not so much of a grasp of color theory, it just looks like you know um, the the leprechaun puked. Uh, on the page so <laughs> yeah but so check it out if you have a couple of cents left after your your monthly polls give alterna comics a chance not not just the company but check out this midnight mystery because it's i think it's pretty damn wonderful yeah i'll see if the shop has any yeah. well and, and if you want to wait their trades are only like nine bucks yeah that's true too yeah i mean i am getting gods and gears but, which is uh, awesome and, and they yeah and and i i don't know if i'm the only person he orders it came out on a wednesday for but i tend to have that in in my file when i show up at the shop you can't go wrong it's like what 48 pages for two bucks not eat no that i think is 99 cents it came out on a wednesday yeah i think you're right because it's got an interview, it's got uh, it's 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 got a preview or at least a full page, uh, a full story. Um, log is my favorite. I love I love log, and it's usually <laughs> I love lamp. Uh, yeah, and it's it's in black and white too, which yep. just makes it look great on newsprint. But um, it's a no risk uh, gamble, really. Yeah, yeah, especially in this day and age. Because I mean, Lord knows, everybody everybody loves. I don't want to say everybody. I don't want to paint that broad of a stroke. But there, you get there are a number of comic book fans, of comic book readers who will let you know that they just spent three, four bucks on a comic, and they spent maybe ten minutes reading it. Now, I'm not going to say mm. you're doing something wrong, but I, I, I seriously, there may not be a ton of words in a book. But if you're just taking ten minutes to flip through some pages and say you've read the comic, you're doing a disservice to the people who made that comic book. There's no way that whether you, if you read the words, that's one thing, and and then just push it off to the side. But if you're not taking into account those words and pictures telling that story together, then there's just, I mean, I'm not you know sitting down on the comfy chair with 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 a tumbler of, of, of tea and scoring out, you know, six hours of my day to sit and read a comic book, but comic books take me more than 10 minutes to read. I, I agree. You miss the storytelling. You miss the dialogue. You just, the other people that go, I mean, I hate to say this people that go to the shop that they flip to the last page and don't understand what they do. Or they read the re- Wikipedia to understand what's going on. But there's something about reading the story. It's like it's the journey that matters, not just the what happens at the end. Um, and part of that, I mean, that that's what helped me learn who's doing what. That, that that's you know, figuring out or learning how how Perez tells a story or Burns yes. or or, yes. or 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 Jurgens and and Bogdanov. You know, I mean, the way like you could give. You could give Steve Rude 
a page, pages to draw of a comic book story, and it's going to look a hell of a lot different than if Lee Weeks was going to draw it. And and I, I love the way different artists work with different writers and 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 tell a story and and just yeah. And I mean, granted, and I mentioned it during when I was talking about Red Hood last week. It's the last episode. There there are some pages there by 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 Dexter Soy. There are some panels that are just. It was like three panels on a page, and it's like, yeah, that that may have been a quick read, and and he may have you know drawn a lot of detail in that tunnel, but there was still that panel was still just two characters walking down a tunnel, and and I don't know if I needed to see that much of the tunnel instead of maybe a close up of the characters or something. So you know, it's all the way that 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 the writer and the artist works, and and yes, there are some stories that the art is going to be sparse or or a lot of big panels with a little bit of detail but if 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 there's something happening in a comic book you 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 can't just read what's in the word balloons and and think you're getting the full story Uh, i totally agree with that i totally agree with that and you know it's funny i i think i i'm a better reader once, you know, I started doing the podcast with Gotham, you know, with, you know, Gotham by Geeks, because when you go and talk about a story, you realize that there's more to it than this. Like, you got to really read the book and understand what's going on to really talk about it. And I do think, to your point, some people, if you read it in 10 minutes, you're not doing it. I mean, I hate to say it, you're not doing it right. You know? It's true. Um, but there, there is a fine line. There are some books that do take a, a a limited a very small amount of time to read because and they're the one they're the the ones that commit the crime to me where they'll bookend an event with the continuing arc and in the the meat of the issue is this thing that doesn't really factor into the storyline and this is a, one of the reasons why ben, Bendis's Avengers didn't work for me, where you had the big picture was in very limited quantities in the book. But we have this character moment between these long-term characters we followed forever that takes the chunk of the book. And number one, it's really not all that interesting. But when it, when when this dialogue comprises the majority of the book – that really has not a whole lot of connection to what has been going on. That's going to take me 10 minutes to read it because it's just a bunch of characters just interacting that has no bearing on what's been established before in the, in the story that I'm following. That's when I cry foul. If, I mean, I loved enough set issues because the, the, you know, <laughs> there's not any words in them at all. And yet those issues took me a good amount of time to get through because you had to rely on merely the visuals to tell the story. That was great. But when you have this thing shoehorned into an issue, that's when you look at it from a, a sales standpoint, that's just another issue in a chain to get you to buy another now, one. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and to that, I would say, and, and, in that case, and, 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 and you're talking about it and I'm, I'm thinking about issues of new Avengers where, um, say the the hood was the baddie and and you'd have the hood at the beginning of the issue 
and then it'd be a couple panels throughout the issue. But for the most part, then you'd see the rest of the Avengers sitting around a table or watching TV. And while there isn't much happening in the book, there are things going on in those conversations. And granted, yeah, I mean, you know, you don't need to spend extra time on a panel of Captain America's head and three word balloons. I, I, by all means, no. But in that case, and this doesn't help my point at all, but those are the kind of stories that it, that's basically that that's writing for the trade because you're going to get more out of reading four five, six issues in a chunk, as opposed to, I just read this Bendis issue and now I got to wait a month to see where the hell we're going with it. When all I wanted to do was find out what's going on with the hood. I, I, I didn't care that, you know, that, that Jessica Jones had a crush on Peter Parker in high school. Right. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I champion Eric Larson, because Larson packs his issue. You are yes, with yeah, hundred percent. So yes. much story, facts. And even though he likes to do his little asides, they don't usually impact. Yes, they're they're character bits that flesh out um, the the pieces he's moving around on the board. But you get a ton of story in addition to that. Whereas a lot of, of the, the Marvel and DC books, it's, again, let's dangle this carrot to keep them buying mm-hmm. it. And when I smell that, it it makes me just walk away. I, I, I well, can't. That, that's like, I agree with you. In a sense, that's no different than me. If I watch a TV show that I'm watching because I've been watching it. I watch it like the flash and not going to pick on CW TV shows, but I am. I watch it while I'm doing something, but say if I'm watching Titans or the Watchmen or the, uh, another TV show, I would stop wherever I'm doing to pay attention to what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's no different. It's no different because it's all top level content. You, yes. You can't do anything other than watch this HBO Watchmen. Right. If you're but, if you're ironing or whatever, you're you're done because you're not immersed into this this world where everything matters, right? Whereas a bunch of characters sitting around talking, I'm not I'm not picking on Bendis. There's a lot of of, of writers that do that, where there's there there's these brief asides that don't really matter. It's nice and maybe it'll play out in four issues or ten issues, but whatever. Does it really need to be inserted? into this storyline right now. The thing, when we got into comics, the stories were so dense and Claremont is the the main, uh, huh. I guess, the poster child for this. Where Well, the caption box alone will take you two hours. Yeah, read, and but. you got a ton, for better or worse, you just got a ton of storyline in these issues. And it, it, this may be the get-off-my-lawn moment, but in, immerse me into this world with the 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 top level stuff where if you're you're walking down a side street and you know does it really matter yes you're painting the big picture but sometimes the 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 minuscule details of things that don't impact the main line whatever right it's there there's a moment when comics became switched from being um entertainment created by people that loved the the medium to 
to just produce this one thing. That was all they, they cared about. Let's just make this one thing. Next month, we'll get together and we'll make this next thing. And then we'll make the next one. And geez, I hope we can do this for a good period of time. Now it's like they're not making one thing. They're making one part of a thing that's going to be sold as one thing. Right? The, the trade. So ah. it, the, the methodology has shifted from... A, a, a thing that exists on its own, whether it's part of a, a bigger storyline, this thing exists as it is, and now it's, well, that's just part one of a five-part story. And they tell you ahead of time it's going to be mm-hmm. five parts. So you know midway through there's a, there's a crossword. Something's, something's going to happen, blah, 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 where I, I, I love done in ones and I love dense friggin' storytelling. You pick up an old issue of the Legion, forget it. Yeah. They, they, they did this, this universe spanning story involving all these characters and they did it in one friggin' issue. Mm-hmm. Get off my lawn. Take your dog with you. <laughs> Oh, uh, but 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 even though I, I don't disagree with you, but I still going back to the original point. I still think if you're reading even a current comic book within ten minutes, if you read it ten minutes, you probably didn't like it, right? But there's a lot of people that read comics. They say, "Oh, I took ten minutes to read." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" There's it's not just what happened; it's the dialogue, it's the storytelling of the artist, the coloring. Like, don't you want to spend time to to Look what you they just did spent and... four bucks on that. Why exactly. would you just want to rush through it? So one of my favorite books right now, and I don't know if we have time to talk about it, but we will maybe I'll let Dap talk about something, but Die H for Hero. And one of the things I like about it, you know, written by Sam Humphreys and drawn by I'm gonna I hopefully I get his name right, Joe uh Quintos. Quintos Quintos, yeah, thank you. I'm like worse with names. That's my <laughs> biggest worry about did I tell you one time uh, at work I had to announce, uh, hey, who is the anniversary employees? And it's was, it was all these names, and I get all stressed out. And so I just end up going first names only because I was like, I can't say these last names. I'm like, I'm, like, I, I'm not well, I don't, really I, bad names. I don't feel so bad now. See, there you go. <laughs> no, you, you are great. You guys are great. I, here's TMI, but every time before I do a podcast, I look up how you say creator's name. Multiple times because I'm always worried I'm going to mess up their name. Everything else I'm, I'm fine to talk about is the names of the creators that I get nervous about. That's not I crazy. That's like, just covering. I don't like the way people mess up my names, but I'm really bad with names. So. Yeah, you're just yeah. covering your bases. That's that's yeah. just good planning. But he's like in the whole diet for age. What's cool about it, when they turn to a different character, it's a different. Like, you know, one time it's it's going back to the burger of the 90s. One time it's going back to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Black and White Comics. You know, the, remember all the spinoffs, the, the ripoffs they had? It's like it's it's like you can't just read the story in 10 minutes. You won't appreciate what they're doing. You won't appreciate the, oh, this is, uh, this is, uh, oh, this is uh, Chris Ware. Oh, this is the star of Chris Ware. He's drawing Chris Ware. Oh, that's so cool. Like, you won't appreciate it if you read it in 10 minutes. So there are things that if you read really quickly, you don't appreciate. Or even the dialogue, you miss. I think you miss things if you read really quickly. Yeah. Like Dap says, I don't understand why you would burn through an issue if you just paid four bucks for it. I would want to get 
every ounce of entertainment out of that issue. Uh, but yeah, when, my, my pet peeve with my wife is when I buy a Starbucks coffee, and Starbucks is pretty expensive. I buy it, I'm going to buy it, I'm going to enjoy my latte, and then she wants me to do some things. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to sit and enjoy my latte. I spent five bucks on it. I'm going to drink it and enjoy it slowly and not quickly because that's if I'm going to spend five bucks on a coffee, I'm going to sip, I'm going to enjoy it, and, and, and you know, I'm not going to drink it really quickly. But, but I mean, yeah. we're we're big fans of art. You you buy yeah. it and collect it. Uh, Dap yeah. does. I buy pure art. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> that to me is, I'll be reading an issue and I'll say, "Wow, that shading underneath that that leg right there that is gorgeous." Or, "Wow, look at the way he drew the facade of that building, so economically." Yet it says everything that he wanted to do, or. You know, the shadows here are great. The line work here is wonderful. Look at this exactly. color. It's spectacular. I think the guys that and gals that burn through an issue in 10 minutes, they are just reading it for the story. And the art is a vehicle to tell that story. So they they are, in a sense, soaking in the art, but only to the point where the story is told, where we're looking at it we we separate ourselves from the story and we're looking at the art for the art's sake the 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 way problems visual problems were were solved or not solved the way uh the beauty with with which a human body is drawn or how disgusting this monster is look at the way he rendered that slime dripping I, out of its I, you know i, I totally agree man i mean i I know you're a great art. You're a great artist, Vince. And Dap, you ever tried drawing? Yeah, you are. Dap, you ever tried drawing comics when you were younger? I did. Yes. I made my own comics. Yep. I went to yeah. I took art classes. I in high school I decided uh, to stop. Unfortunately, um, I did take our art history because in my senior year, because all the good-looking girls were taking art history, so I did do that. <laughs> but besides that, I mean, it's like I'm. A, I love art and. I would tell you this, right? I love reading books. I love reading comics. The art matters fifty-one. If if I was going to do the math, at least the art matters more than fifty-one percent. Yep. There have been times where uh, the writer, fantastic writer, I like. I love Grant Morrison, but the Aztec series that he did, I forgot who did the art. It was not that good. There's been some bad art that just just took me away. I'm like, I'm done. Well, we've said that the many art, times. We couldn't pick up a book we loved just because the art wasn't on a on a level that we would expect for the characters yeah, we're these reading. Are not, these are not novels. These are comic books. These are <laughs> art books. You're going to pick them up because of the art. And I feel bad because the artist spend like more, like a writer could spend a, like five seconds to say panel of. Buildings, people, crowd, and the artist would take probably two days, three days to draw it. And I appreciate that, man, because it's tough to draw comics. No, it, it is. It's, I have a hierarchy, and this may surprise some people. The sensory input that stokes my creative juices, my imagination, that that that, that visual st- stuff that goes on in your brain, prose is is number three. Because when you're reading a really good book, those words can create 
mental images if you, if the the writer is very very good. Yes. Number two is visual art, comics, painting. For me, the the number one thing that generates unbelievable creations in my brain is music. Nothing does it more than music to me. Interesting. Yep. And I love comics. I love drawing. I love painting. Just creating visual things. I get more of a of a mental jolt from music than I do from visual art. It, the, because each sound is a trigger. And mm. it, the, it allows me to create these images in my brain, whether or not they were intended from the, the, the people that created the music is, is irrelevant. The sounds are there and the, the levers start moving in my brain and the, the, the vistas that I create in my brain from music are top level for me. I've always loved music. If, if I had to pick and someone said to me, all right, you're either going to go blind or deaf, I would pick blind in a second. No, I never would. I, I love, I love the, I think art is, comic art is my go-to. I could stare at a page for a long time. Oh, same, same. But I, I just, I went through this list just to show you that as much as I love visual information, I love auditory information more because it's all vibration. And we are, no, yeah, we're, we're we are vibrating right now. In in the beginning, there was the word. The the universe was, depending on what you believe, uh, born out of sound. Molecules vibrate. Uh, so I don't. I mean, I'm not saying anybody's wrong or right here. Just for me, music is is the number one. Uh, it, it makes me dream while I'm awake. Wow, that got weird. Yeah, that got, <laughs> got a little strange. Um, you want to drive this bus home? Not yet. Not yet. All right. Yeah. So, uh, what, are you, what are you reading, Dap? You didn't talk about what you're reading. I I read something old, but it's okay. Somewhat new. Well, it's new okay. to me. It's not a new format. Basically. Um, Shout out to Flippa. Um, he uh, was kind enough to send me a trade of X-Men versus Avengers slash Fantastic Four reprinting the miniseries from the 80s. Um, Fantastic Four versus the X-Men written by Chris Claremont with art by John Bogdanov and Terry Austin. And X-Men versus Avengers for the most part, written by Roger Stern, uh, with art by Mark Silvestri and Joe Rubenstein, except for the last issue, which, if you have this collection, you find out that, um, uh, how is it phrased? Uh, basically, um, Roger's original resolution to the miniseries did not coincide well with the plans the X-Men office had to make Magneto. A more redemptive, a more redemptive character. So the last issue was ultimately rewritten by Tom DeFalco, and that issue written by Tom DeFalco, your art was um, 
breakdowns uh, were by Keith Pollard, and uh, your finished art was by Joe Rubenstein, with additional linking by Bob McCloyd, Al Williamson, and Al Milgram. And um, I say McCloyd? I think I meant McLeod. The, uh, <laughs> but the what I'm going to talk about is Fantastic Four versus the X-Men. Because I reread those four issues. Um, and this trade also collects the first. The issues where the X-Men meet um, the Fantastic Four in their X-Men comic by Stanley and Jack Kirby. And the X-Men and Avengers meet in, I believe, an issue of um, X-Men also. Uh, again by um stanley and jack herbie uh so since chris claremont was mentioned this evening i figured it it, this kind of made sense because as i was now i remember i remember buying this issue i I remember buying this these were dollar 50 issues they were they were on backs to paper uh they were sturdier than your traditional newsstand comics at the time um the events the the the, these four issues take place after the mutant massacre because the um the story basically is about saving kitty pride during the mutant massacre kitty had um kitty's powers were stuck and she was forever phased and she was becoming a ghost and she was losing the ability to hold herself together so eventually she would just be she would dissipate in, in into nothingness um but magneto is aware of a machine a device that reed richards has built that can adhere adhere molecules and 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 um and bind them so magneto figures hey we'll ask reed richards to um use his machine and his intellect to save kitty and next minute, like, yeah, but bro, you're, um, you've been a villain, like, since forever. So I don't know if they're going to trust you. Well, how are they going to be able to trust me unless I give them that opportunity? And you can tell this is written by Chris Claremont. And I, Chris Claremont definitely has a place in history with comic books. And, and yes. especially if you're an X-Men fan, you know, if you were reading X-Men comics when Chris Claremont was writing them, then, you know, you will fight someone if they besmirch him. And um doesn't matter really how old you get, it, you, you tend to read Claremont's work with rose-colored glasses. Um, Especially however, the first run, the first run of X-Men. Not oh, when he came back, but yeah. I consider, but yeah. Um, however... There are times where I'll try to be objective and not just read things because, oh, I remember when I read this when I was little and, and this was great and, and, and I'm just, and I'm, I'll, I, I pretend I'm a purist or I just, you know, have to see it for what it was at the time and, and put myself in that era when it was new. But I'm reading this and for me, the Fantastic Four. 
I, I, I recognize Stan and Jack, and I know that obviously they were there at the beginning, and they wrote Marvel's first family, and that's mm-hmm. that's the gold standard. Like that's where that's the bar that everybody needs to try to get near if they're going to tell Fantastic Four stories. And as much as I respect and appreciate Jack and Stan's Fantastic Four, for me, because of what I read first, Mm -hmm. it is John Byrne. And I recognize John Byrne only wrote Fantastic Four as a continuation of what Stan and Jack did, pretty much ignoring what Len or Marv or whoever else did with the family. So because John Byrne picked up where, where, where Stan and Jack left off, um, I'm fine with John Byrne being the bar that pretty much everybody else needs to get near. And for me, the closest was was Mark Wade and Michael Ringo. And, and, and I realized that, you know, a lot of people love Hickman stuff and, and that's great. And and some people enjoy the the, the Miller and, and Hitch stuff and that, and that's cool as well. But Getting back to this, what Claremont does for the X-Men and how he writes the characters in an X-Men comic, that does not work across the board <laughs> for every character ever. And and to read the words coming out of Reed's and Sue's and even to some degree Ben's mouths and thought balloons from their heads you could close your eyes and you would think that those exact same words were coming from storm or rogue or kitty at any other x-men character claremont definitely has a a certain style of of writing and and he doesn't whereas you have someone like like alan moore or bendis or Miller, you know, anybody, almost any other writer can write characters and, and they have a unique voice. They all sound different and, and you can't tell, you know, you'll be able to tell that, you know, this person is saying this. It, it, Clark is saying this. This is Clark Kent who said this. This is Peter Parker who said this. Whereas reading this miniseries, it's very hard to tell because they're only saying the person's names in their conversations. You know who's saying what, but otherwise... The, the phrasing, the 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 tone, the the inflection, everything is is kind of the same, and it 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 gets annoying over four issues. And I remember reading this when it was new, and and I bought the four issues, and I was like, holy crap, because it it did tie into what happened in the Mutant Massacre, and and it was sort of a a um, you know what what happened here kind of played into it. It, it affected what happened in. In in the X Men books, maybe not so much the Fantastic Four books, but um, this is basically a long way of me saying that 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 as great as Chris Claremont is as an X Men writer, I do not think he is a very solid Fantastic Four writer. Um, the art is I absolutely fan- the 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 art by 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 Bogdanov and Austin, fantastic. Um, I've always liked Terry Austin Sinks, whether he's on Burn, whether he's on Marshall Rogers. Um, and, and here, you know, it, it, it works and, and, you know, John draws a great Franklin Richards and, and, you know, I, I think the action scenes are fantastic, but 
it's it's a four issue series where Franklin has a dream because he's worried that um, something bad is going to happen because Dad found a book and Dad found a journal from when he was much younger. And written in the journal, the days leading up to that fateful rocket ride where the family was bombarded with cosmic rays. Um, Sue read this journal, Ben read this journal, and according to what they're saying, Reed wrote in this journal that damned, basically damned their feelings. I, I can't worry about how they're going to feel if I tell them what's going to happen when we're in space, they're not going to want to go. And basically it, it it's the journal was written to imply that, um, that Reed knew that they were going to get hit with cosmic rays. They were going to be altered forever, but to hell with it. We need to make this trip and, and we need to go into space and, Whatever happens, happens. And and Ben says a couple times through this miniseries that, you know, as as smart as Breed is, as big of a brain as he is, it's always kind of struck Ben odd that Reed would not um it, like he wouldn't factor cosmic rays into the equation like you know you you build this ship and and you have this huge plan and we're going to go out into space but but you couldn't foresee cosmic rays bombarding the ship and possibly screwing with us like like i just never but you find out that 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 doom is kind of forged the journal and and um and and did all of this to warp Reed's confidence and and make him question himself and not only have a fight a battle with an external battle with his family but an internal battle with himself and 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 his abilities and um so while he's wrestling with that kitty is of course slowly dying um when Reed decides that he can't help kitty Magneto's like, well, then we don't need you. We'll just we'll keep your machine. You know, we'll 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 try to do this. And Rogue is like, well, I'll just go over and I'll touch Reed and I'll take his his. <laughs> his. And, and Storm's like, no, we can't do that. And then a big fight shows up because Wolverine's the best at what he does, and what he does is be an ass. And and he just and so he, everybody's getting into it. And for whatever reason, Rogue is pissed at Havoc. Like she just throws Megatude towards Alex Summers and and I'm not sure why and and because I don't remember the X-Men I don't remember whatever tip they had during the X-Men at this time but um Human Torch burns Storm um Doom is able to heal her and and graft her skin and 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 you know basically as a way to say listen if I could cure Storm then by all means if I can heal Storm then I should be able to save Kitty. And of course it makes Doom look like a hero because, you know, I saved Kitty Pride and, and Reed Richards couldn't, and this will be the, you know, ultimate gloat. And, um, and if, if for whatever reason he can't, 
then you know it's it's all Reed's fault anyway, and and so it's really it, it's win win for for Doom whether he saves Kitty or doesn't. Um, but yeah, I mean it was it, it again it 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 was a stroll down memory lane for the most part. I enjoyed a lot of this miniseries, but it it definitely reads like a like a Claremont book. I enjoyed the the moments <laughs> between Reed and Franklin. Um, you know, the, the, some of this was shades of of Sue and um, and Reed and and what JMS did during the Civil War era and and when he was writing the the book. Um, so by the time I mean everything we're reading now with the Fantastic Four has has been at least teased or implied over the past seventy odd years. So it's 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 not like anything is really new, but it's just it's interesting to see some things the way they, they, they were originally um, attempted way back when, but yeah, I mean, again, I, the, the, for me, the, the, the greatest part about this mini series is, is the art. I mean, I, whether he's drawing the man of steel from the Superman weekly triangle era, or he's drawing steel or he's drawing power pack. Um, Bogdanov is, is, is a favorite of mine. I I'm never going to be, sad if if he's drawing a book um but yeah i mean it all it all kind of works out at the end of course um the the day is saved kitty will slowly um heal and and become herself again uh but yeah there's um there's a confrontation between sue and victor um she hulk is 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 part of the fantastic four because she's actually she gets um that there's some side boobs that that the events will probably appreciate but there's there's a um because she is did going say, did you say side boobs said side boobs he did uh, okay um, be, and, and the reason why why jennifer walters is here as she hulk is because she's um She's going to her old school is restaging the trial of Magneto before the world court. So she got conned into <laughs> the, yeah, the defense council. So she's doing some research while um, while at the library. Ben Grimm is is also there and smoking. And, and she's like, you know, would you mind not fouling other people's air with that stogie? And, and, and Ben, and this just tells you how long ago this was. Yeah, I do mind. It's a free country. I can smoke where I want. To. Oh, okay. Well, then they, <laughs> no, they, they, they recognize each other and they're in each other's face, but then an explosion happens. So they go to save a building that's falling. And then Magneto shows up to help say, to help them prevent the building from collapsing onto, to civilians and, and, and causing casualties. Um, so now that basically she Hulk is, is been involved from the beginning she decides to see how things play out. Plus she wants to also get a, um, a glimpse into who Magneto is now to see if that might help, um, this little mock trial that she's got going on. So, I mean, it was, it was interesting. Claremont did a good job in, in inserting her into, into the story. But at this point, the fantastic four was the original team. Um, so it was basically the X-Men versus the fantastic five, but you know, I didn't, um, uh, there was a little bit of drama and, and I think Claremont did a good job with the family drama with the, the guilt and the accusations and the wonder 
um, of whether or not Reed did trick his loved ones into going on on this trip. Um, I, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not upset about the way that all played and how that played out and, and how it was presented. You know, Claremont can do what he can do with that. But when it comes to just casual conversations and the way people talk to one another, it's like there are you when you're watching a movie or you're reading some things it, it, you you kind of get jolted out of it because you're like there's nobody talks like this this isn't the way people speak to one another and 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 claremont has a knack for doing that and it works in an x-men comic but it doesn't work if if ben Grimm is just talking to to sue storm it's just that that's not the way these two interact and and if if Wolverine and Kitty Pride or Betsy Braddock want to have a conversation and their language amongst each other that works in an X-Men comic it doesn't doesn't really work in in a Fantastic Four but I uh, but I still enjoyed again going down memory lane with this uh, it still looks great I, I I I thank Flip for um for reigniting it and and I'm looking forward to the to the X-Men versus Avengers mini, um, even though Dr. Druid is a member of the Avengers at this point. But <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I'm glad that, that Marvel decided to, you know, publish these two minis together like this. And then they added the bonus of, of the X-Men issues where they meet the team for the first time. Um, and the back matter is pretty cool. Cause you do, you, you get, you get Rogers um, plot outline for the 24 pages for the fourth issue. So you, even though you have the full fourth issue of the miniseries, you can read what Roger Stern had in, in, in mind for it and, and see where things may have um, deviated from the, uh, from what the X-Men, from what Chris Claremont had planned for the X team. Um, and then how that would have played into if, if, if Stern's story would have derailed that. But um, yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's a pretty cool little, um, Little trade. It's it's um and it collects Fantastic Four versus the X Men one through four, Fantastic Four number twenty eight, X Men versus Avengers one through four, and X Men number nine. But um thanks, Flip. I'll um, I'll be reading the rest of it soon. That does sound like a good trade because uh, both of the, um, I thought both of those miniseries came out around the same time. Uh, and I remember going to 7-Eleven and picking out the X-Men vs. Avengers because I think I was more Avengers fan than a Fantastic Four fan at that time. Um, but you're right, Dr. Drew was a member of the Avengers. <laughs> uh, uh, there's some members you're like, really? You know, it's like, how, really? how did he get in? Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, Doctor always, Strange uh, was busy, and he was in the Defenders yeah. anyway. So. Yes. Well, there was. Yes. I mean, and 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 of these, there were three minis. There were these two, uh-huh. and there was Mephisto versus the Four Heroes, and That's that right. That's right. with the John Bushima artwork, and that Ooh. was because you had you had Mephisto versus I think Avengers, Fantastic Four, X, and 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 and, and I just I, I want to reread that because I want to see. How that I totally forgot about that until you mentioned it, but yeah, you're and it right. was, I mean, it was just called Mephisto Versus, I think, because every issue, you're right, 
it's against a different team. So I've always thought it was like either the four heroes or the four teams, but it was always just Mephisto versus Ellipses. So, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind reading. But again, that was also another Baxter paper limited series around the same time. It was, um, but it was neat to see those kind of mini series because they were their own thing, but they did, they were topical or, or timely yes. to that era because they played in the sandbox of events that, that recently occurred. So it wasn't like they weren't evergreens. They, they, they weren't just, you know, books that you did a story that you could read at any old time you had. I mean, there were footnotes throughout yep. this, the, this many, because it was, it was all pointing to uh, the mutant massacre. So, and it was special because, again, uh, back then, the X-Men and Adventures didn't meet all the time, or X-Men right. and Fantastic Four. It was special. Um, no, the, I remember uh, reading, like, you know, the X-Men versus Avengers uh, and enjoying it. But, uh, you know, I think I think a long time ago you guys talked about how, you know, Chris, Chris Claremont versus Marv Worthman and going back to what we talked about earlier – which ones hold up better? And look, look, I love the X Men. I love the X Men. It's again, Chris, Chris Claremont's X Men run is one of my favorite runs of all time. But if I have to go back in time and reread, I think Marv Furfman holds up, his writing holds up better than Chris Claremont. This is in my humble opinion. I think it's because of the lack of captions. I mean, Chris Claremont loved captions and telling us that Wolverine's the best that he could do. Right. Yes. Yeah. And part of that, though, is, I mean, I, I will, I'll, I'll hold Jim Shooter accountable to that because, yes. you know, again, he, he wanted to make sure that if someone's picking up an X-Men comic for the first time, then yet, yeah, I mean, the, these are all things we may make fun of now because we don't need to read it every issue because we have an yes. attention span, but, but not everybody knew that Wolverine was the best of what he was and, and the whole Ruby quartz with, with, with Cyclops's lenses. And, you know, so <laughs> I appreciate that, but when it comes to character growth or the interaction between Vic and Gar or Donna and Corey, then yeah, I think, I, I think the relationships of the Titans stand the test of time more than for me, more than Wolverine and, and, Logan and Peter or, or, or Peter and Kurt. And, and, you know, so it's, I mean, I, there's a reason why Marvel and DC decided to come together and, and do that crossover. And, and oh, X-Men, yeah. X-Men and Teen Titans was a fantastic one shot, but it's, um, you know, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll reread if, if I'm coming, if I'm going through a long box and I'm, I'm looking through stuff or I'm cataloging something and I come across a Teen Titans issue, I'm going to stop and read that issue. I'm not always going to do that with an X-Men comic. I agree. I agree with that. I remember hating Fantastic Four versus X-Men back in the day. Really? I, yeah, I liked the art. I thought the art was right, wonderful. Yeah. But I thought the storyline was just dreck. I can see that the whole thing with Reed yeah. not not knowing or the with Reed doing the journal. It's like seriously, all Sue would have to but do that, is just look at him and say, "Did you write this?" 
Right, exactly. I mean, if if it happened in, an, in a Fantastic Four comic, it'd be over in a handful of panels. Whereas, yeah, it, it, but again, this is this is Claremont, and and whether or not you know the, the, yeah. it needs to be drawn out, or I don't know. But yeah, it's but that's but the art's I, wonderful. I just, oh yeah, yeah. All right, people, look at this. If you would like to get inexpensive comics, and really, that's all of you, right? Go to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBservice.com. Get your stuff, get it fast, get it delivered right to your door. This is the absolute final time that you're going to hear this. From uh, Antarctic, Planet Comics number one, $1.99. From Image, Protector number one, $1.99. From Action Lab, Danger Zone, Twin Worlds number one, $1.99. See that? A trio, less than two bucks dcbservice.com in your travels i really don't know why i'm telling you to read this because chances are very good you won't find a copy and if you do find a copy it's going to be more than i paid because it was a very limited run of 400 copies online maybe if you run into this gentleman or uh, at a, a convention you can get a copy but it's from Simon Hanselman. It is called Werewolf Jones and Sons, number three. Out of respect for our guest, <laughs> I, I won't go into the explicit details about the storyline. Uh, there's two stories. The first, uh, and Simon did this book with HTML Flowers. The first story is called Beauty Pageant. The second story is called Jackson's Vasectomy. Nice. (laughs) Jackson is 12. So I'll sum it up by the cover. Werewolf Jones is not a good parent. He has two sons, Jackson and Diesel. On the cover, Jones has dragged his children out into the freezing cold so he can solicit this 24-hour vape dispenser. And he's pissed off because it's obviously the vape dispenser's not working. The kids are in their pajamas and they're freezing. They got little, um, you could see their breath. That's how cold it is. There's vomit underneath the vape dispenser. The, the road is littered with used syringes and aerosol cans. Jones has a condom, a used condom stuck to the bottom of his foot. <laughs> and it, it looks like Jones has, sh- has shot, shat himself because there are flies buzzing around his posterior region. Um, in beauty pageant, Jones dresses his boys like girls to, uh, win the 23rd annual bombshell baby beauty pageant. And unfortunately, Jackson gets an erection while he's on stage and he's <laughs> he's exited from the proceedings and Jones doesn't care. It's raining. Jackson is outside behind the the building rooting through dumpsters cuz he's he's hungry and he he finds a sandwich and vomits profusely. Jones doesn't care. Because Diesel is in the running to win this beauty pageant. And he makes a very substantial bet 
Um, and he calls his ex-wife and he's like, I hope you're sitting down because I'm going to be paying child support this month. <laughs> it's insane. Um, in Jackson's vasectomy, uh, Principal uh, Corbett calls uh, Jones and Jackson to his office because it turns out that Jackson has impregnated six girls in the class. And what do you think Jones says? Oh, look at you getting your tip wet, my man, my little boy. And uh, the Corbett's like, this is very serious. There are six 12-year-old girls that are pregnant because of your son. And he's like, okay, I'll take him for a vasectomy. And he goes, stop by the house later. I'll give you some coat hangers. <laughs> Oh it, is, it is foul, right? So he, he takes him to his buddy Mike's uh, warehouse, and they do a backroom vasectomy on his son. Oh. So Jackson wakes up in a bathtub full of ice cubes, bleeding. He's got bandages on. Where's daddy? Daddy's in a strip club. <laughs> Simon Hanselman, man. I love his work. Um, oh. Were Werewolf Jones and Sons. You, you'll probably be able to find it if you go to Simon at a convention. Grab one, because I think that's where the other hundred copies went. But I just I won't go into detail about the back cover. That is, you're going to have to experience that all on your own. Needless to say, it involves three men, and they're all naked. So, okay, yes, beautiful, beautiful stuff. <sighs> Jesus. Um, in travels, this is, this is an oldie, um, you'll be able to find this, I'm sure. Um, I, I, there are a couple of stories in this that, that I really, really enjoy. This is, uh, this came out earlier this year, probably around February for Valentine's Day, but this is Mysteries of Love in Space from DC. It was one of oh. their 80 page giants. Um, and there's... There are a couple stories in here that I really enjoyed, but the one I loved is called Lois Lane and Superman. The story is called Glasses, and it is written by jo Jeff Loveness, art by uh, Tom Grummet and Cam Smith. And, you know, I mean, if you're going to have Grummet draw Superman, then then I'm there. But it's it's a story basically told from Lois Lane's perspective. And, and the first panel, the first page is... She picks up a pair of glasses and she puts them on. She looks in the mirror and, and she says to herself, I'm such an idiot. And, and she starts thinking about when she first met Clark Kent and, and how, you know, um, he, he was always running, always hiding. I remember looking at you and always thinking the same thing. What, what kind of sad world makes a man like Clark Kent? But. You know, then she saw him work and, and saw the type of person that, that he is. Um, and while as a reporter, she would always try to say, stay detached. Um, but he he looked at people. Uh, he looked them in the eye. He saw their pain, shared it. Um, he cared. And, um, and so, you know, she slowly came around to the type of person that he is. Um, and they would slowly they became a team working together um and then of course the feelings grew and then he decided to tell clark and decided to tell lois lane his big secret 
and and she does admit that at first, you know, she did try to hide it, but she was furious. You know, all those years, you know, he, he, you lied to me and you lied to everyone. Um, you know, it was like I was sharing my life with a ghost. How is that a way to treat anybody? Um, but she thought about it and, and she looked at Clark and she realized that he never had anyone. And, you know, this wasn't this was a secret that uh, he couldn't share. And he decided to share it with her. And, and that's. Isn't that what love is? Just a secret shared, just a secret you share with, with someone else. And and so once he let her in, she was able to help him because there were times where he would, when trouble would arise and, you know, he would make the excuse that, ah, oh, I'm feeling sick. I got to run to the bathroom. And, you know, she'd just be like, all right, whatever, dude. And, but now that she knows he's Superman, you know, it's like, she, she's like, oh, don't you have to go to the bathroom? And, and, and so, you know, Clark would, run away and um you know so she she would just start to look at clark differently and and realize you know he's he, he helps he's never looking for praise he helps because he cares and you know doesn't even people who don't see his random acts of kindness it's just that's that's the person he is he's not he's not in it for glory especially when he's clark kent and um and so you know she he, he had a rough day and and so you know she she had written this op-ed just for him so so she writes it and and he reads it and um and and he's touched and and then they decide to go you know flying together but that that was that was a great i mean the the, the issue ends with a re, with an adam strange reprint but i mean the as far as the new new original stories that was a fantastic story to end this issue on but um there's there's a neat story with Crush, um, and where where you know she's, I guess the origin of her being a pit fighter in Oregon. Um, there's a weird story with Space Cabby, and and his uh, affection he has towards his cab. Yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah, that's, that's a bit weird. That's a, bit a weird. little bit, a little bit weird. Yeah, um, yes. the Bizarro story is pretty cool. Um, where where uh, with the with with the woman that uh, grotesca who who he is um is smitten with the kilowog story is pretty good but i mean overall yeah it it's it was a pretty you know i mean like we say if if there's an anthology and and you end up um liking a few of the stories in it then you know it's i consider it a success and and i think they're there especially with i mean the, the creative team is solid on here. You have um, you have stories written by uh, Tinian and Higgins. Uh, Saladin Ahmed wrote the Bizarro story. Cecil Castellucci. Um, the art you have art by uh, Jesus Marino, who who does his, his uh, a pretty solid Kirby impression. Um, Max Dunbar, Max Rayner. Um, like I said Tom Grummet. So I mean, it, it's 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 a good it's a good lineup creator wise um and the stories are pretty neat yeah I, i'm not um you know if if you could find this in the back issue bin i i'd uh i'd recommend it, it it's not a um there's there's talent in these pages i was uh i i didn't think i was going to enjoy as many of the stories as i did but they're all done really well um nobody really phoned it in i i didn't get the sense that you know People thought like, well, I got eight pages. Let me just, you know, turn something out there. These are all, these are all pretty, pretty packed stories um, that 
either play into past events or tie into to current events that that are happening in some of the some of the DC titles that that these characters appear in. So, in your travels, mysteries of love in space. So, uh, in your travels, first of all, you can listen to me on Gotham by Geeks, where we talk about everything Batman related every week, comics, movie, TV shows. I'm also a retaining host on DC All-Stars where we talk about DC Comics. Uh, I'm doing a series of episodes on focusing on Just League International with Daryl Taylor and Jim Dietz. But uh, if I was going to recommend a book in your travels, I have in my hand, this came out today, it's called Boots of Gold, The Big Fall. It's a nice, thick hardcover. Of the original Booster Gold series, issues 1 through 12, written by Dan Jurgens, uh, inks, actually written in pencils by Dan Jurgens, inks by Mike DiCarlo. Mike DiCarlo, yeah. Yes. And I love the original Booster Gold series. It was before Booster became Best Buddies with uh, Blue Beater. There's a lot of great, actually, behind the scenes materials in this hardcover. It's not oversized, but it's a nice thick hardcover. And I found out something today that Booster when Dan Durgis wrote originally wrote Booster Girl's Origin, originally the Legion Ring that he has was he stole Superboy's Legion Ring. And he wrote and drew issue six, working on issue seven, and then he gets a call from DC office and saying that, oh, by the way, Superboy doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Therefore, you have to go back and redraw the issues that you just drew. Uh, and so they have the original issues of issue six in here before he redrew them uh, because he had to change the story in issue six. He still had the Legion, he still stole the Legion uh, flight ring, but it wasn't Superboy's anymore. So going back to our original discussion about how DC keeps reconning things, yeah. it's quite funny that Durgan's finished the issue, working on another issue, and had to go back and change make changes because Super never existed. Um, actually, Dan Durgan wrote something. He's like, it didn't bother him. And actually, apparently, John Byrne was pretty you know, nice about that. John Byrne agreed to do a crossover with Peter Girl later on. So uh, I thought that was funny, but I never knew that actually. Uh, but yeah, Booster Gold, the big fall just came out. Nice thick car cover. And I'm a little, I'm being a little biased. I want people to go out and buy it so we could get a second trade. So the whole series could be collected. Um, but yeah, that would be my, in your travels. Who doesn't love Booster Gold? Seriously. Booster Gold is a great character, man. I, I think the best thing about uh, Heroes in Crisis was that Tom brought back Blue Beater and Booster Gold together. Uh, the, the whole Just League in the NASA series is just a freaking amazing series. The fact that, you know, just by accident, you get the Booster Gold and Blue Beater relationship, you know, together. I mean, it's just amazing that series uh, was put together and to me, it's still one of the best Just League series of all time. There's no question. It holds up. You yeah. go back in time, it still holds up. It's good stuff. Yep. It is. Yep. On that, we all agree. 
So say we all. Yes, and I hope say we, we all we all hope it, that you that is have the way. A, a beautiful, wonderful, and very fulfilling Thanksgiving tomorrow. So, in the spirit of the holiday, go up to somebody you love and tell them, "Hey, I'm glad you're around." Do it, because you know what? You'll make them feel good. There's only going to be two people in my home tomorrow, and I will tell her that. She already knows. <laughs> How about you go up to a random stranger and say, hey, I'm glad you're around. I don't know who you are, <laughs> but dagnabbit, I'm glad well, you're here. If the white man's open tomorrow, I'll do that. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, is that a new place? You ever been there before? <laughs> That's his next tattoo, <laughs> quiet man. Uh, y'all ain't right. Yeah. Here's a little story. Do you, ever um, go, do you ever go in there and you go, hey, that's my chair? No, no, I'm not that guy yet. He's going to be Norm. No, no. What were you going to say, Vince? What's a funny story? No, it's not a funny story. It's a good story. Oh. Oh, um, okay. A woman I work with, her daughter is a teacher. And what she did was she got um, printed up on 8.5 by 11 a little saying, like, uh, I'm – you know me, I'm your teacher, blah, blah, blah. And I'm really glad, I'm really thankful that you're in my class. And she printed them out on eight and a half by 11, cut them all out, gave each one of her kids this little piece of paper today before they left. And she said, you would not believe how appreciative the kids were. Aww. Yeah, that's a great, that's a good thing to do. How long did it take her? Maybe 10 minutes to do it. And it made, made a bunch of kids happy. So in the spirit of that, why don't you go out and do that tomorrow? Make somebody happy that you, you – maybe you don't even know them, but just make them happy anyway because thankful that you exist on the planet with other people. I Freaks. like that a lot. There you go. Yeah. Oh, um, this is a, a, a thank you that's been um, a couple episodes coming. I need to send super massive thanks to Mr. Cameron Hathaway. Because I can now say, since I have one of the biggest Batman fans in the world on the podcast tonight, um, I own my very first, only, Batman black and white statue. And wow. Cameron, what? Cameron was kind enough to send me the one designed by Matt Wagner. Oh! And the box it arrived in was beaten to shit. And thank God everything inside was intact. And and I opened it up in front of my wife and she saw it and she's like, That looks cool. Like and she had that look in her eye, like, this can actually go in the living room. Like you don't need to wow. like put this in your like so but I do have a few other pieces that, that need to go on a shelf, and and this will probably be the centerpiece. But yeah, I I um I seriously thank you so much, Cameron. It, it's it's a gorgeous looking statue. But yeah, I and I mean I've, every time they're solicited, every time a new one comes out, I know the Todd McFarlane one was out last month in in previews. I, I like the little PVC seven eight figure set that they're re releasing. But um, you know there have been a couple that I thought were looking that that looked really cool, and and I wouldn't mind. Um, but I think the Wagner one was the only one that I was like, yeah, if, if I were to have one, that would be the one. Yeah. I'm, I'm shocked by that, by the way. I'm really shocked that that would be the one that you want. <laughs> I think, I don't, I, I, I think, 
I think you're you're having a laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. <laughs> By the way, as a Batman fan, I should tell you, you know how they do those Batman collections, focusing on the artists. You know they're doing Matt Ragnar Batman collection next year. Of Did all his Batman that? stories, I thought I yeah. heard that. Okay, and that yeah. will include the one from Tom King or the one that just just the ones he's written, like Trinity you know, I don't and know Mad about Monk. One Tom King, but it's definitely the Mad Monk. Okay, uh, Monster Man. He uh, did that. Oh, we, Faces, yes. Faces, which I think yeah. is phenomenal. Daniel uh, White and I talked about that a couple years yeah. ago. Yeah, no, no, right. Uh, didn't he do like a sequel to the Man Monk too? Like, did he do two series? Yeah, it was, it was, because yeah, um, yeah. it was Dark Moon Rising. It was, it that's was right, Mad Monk right. and the Monster Man. I mean, I love Matt Ragnar myself. I mean, Mage, in my humble opinion, especially the first series, just oh yes, yeah. oh. And Grendel, I read the whole series. Uh, fant- the original series, freaking fantastic. But his Batman stuff with that he wrote and drew himself, phenomenal. I wish that he drew more Batman or wrote more Batman because I think his, his style, his thought process would be suited for a Batman series. Oh, 100%. I agree with that. And, and there, was, there was an old... On the old, I don't even know if it, it, it yeah, on, on the old forums, I had a thread that, um, you know, who, who draws your definitive fill in the blank and uh-huh. whichever character didn't matter, didn't, you know, who, if, you know, for example, like, you know, John Byrne for Superman for me and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, um, Gil Kane for for Green Lantern, obviously, but you know when it comes to Batman, I I, I love Don Newton, I love Jim Aparo, I, I there are a lot of people who have drawn Batman, but I I love the way Matt draws that character, the way the character, the, the way he just because it 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 looks real, like like somebody built like that and and would walk into it just. It's kind of like, you know, when you see all the different versions on, in the movies and, and the Affleck version is as much as someone may want to mock the, the DCEU stuff. I think Affleck looked good in the suit. And, and that's, I, that's I agree. how that's I it. see. I agree with that. And that, that's kind of how I see the way when Mag Wagner draws Batman, that's, you know, it just, it, it all, it all works. It looks like someone would actually wear that how it would look you know it's not like just someone sprayed on a gray and black suit it just wagner makes it work for whatever however he does it it's just you know but yeah no when i read when i read that faces series the three-parter and legends i remember back in the day i was like oh god i wish he was drawing batman writing batman full-time because he would have been so good as a batman writer and we had and a good of covers because he he when when Jason Todd came back with the Red Hood, I mean he he was drawing the Batman covers for a while. Yes, yes, I remember that. But, yeah, but, yeah. And to your point about Ben Affleck, I think you know you could say I you could you know my kids hated Ben Affleck as Batman, partly because they know his person you know his backstory and they think he's an ass. <laughs> but hey. My cousin said it best. At least Batman's neck could move for the yes. first time. Yes, yeah, movies, true. you know, very true. 
Oh my God. I mean, I mean when you watch the old Mike and Keaton movies, which I love, it's like, he can't move his neck. I can't. He looks he can't. Really weird. It's great. He's got to move his yeah. whole body to, to, to turn around and talk to you. Yes. And, now, and now it turned into the Matt Wagner power hour and, and Vince is all sad. Yes, yes, we could. We could. I, I think it's been uh, three hours, so I think. Uh, Why would enough. I be sad? I'm not sad. <laughs> all right, you freaks, go have a great Thanksgiving. We'll be back yes. next time. In the, in the uh, meanwhile, yeah. check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, and Facebook. Come and take a peek at our Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. We'd love to have you. Find us all on Twitter, and 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 Hassan's on Twitter as well. Yeah, it's a it's a party, y'all. So in the meantime, Facebooks. Yep, Facebooks. Say goodnight, David. (laughs) Wow. Right. Oh, this is David. Oh, you ruined it. So, <laughs> no, you ruined it. It huh? was a diversionary tactic. See, I was, I was doing the old rope dope. You were dope. Go have fun. Bye. We'll be back soon. Latest. Bye bye.